Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport, uh, a special uh, edition of Midweek Motorsport this week as we are overlooking the finishing and start straight and into turn one at Road Atlanta, up, over, across, but mainly up in London is Johnny Palmer, good evening Johnny. Good evening John. Uh, and how are you this fine evening? I'm actually alright thank you, I'm, I'm enjoying the stint on Midweek Motorsport, this is something like my third week in a row. I know. I'm becoming a regular. Brilliant. You <laughs> yes, you are more regular than some of our occasional correspondents. Uh, and on a packed programme tonight, Johnny, we have what? We have, uh, let me just check here, uh, we've got all the usual features. You're building your part. Sorry. <laughs> Tim is once again on assignment, so God be with us uh, tonight. However, we have a chock-full programme this evening that starts, as usual, with a little bit of housekeeping as uh, we look through some of the apologies for absence, Mick Palmer says, uh, started a night class every Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, got to avoid detention, so he'll be listening to us on the podcast. Hello, Mick. Uh, also, what else have we got here? A week early, I know. Uh, this is right turn, lover saying, are you going to be covering the Asian Le Mans series race? We'll talk about that a bit later on. Uh, we've got uh, no Marshall Pruitt tonight, but uh, we will have some Marshall Pruitt-generated story. Uh, Adam Green hoping to hear the end of the Audi story that we started last week. Uh, probably not, but I'm closer to a, uh, a, right, a, a, a righteous ending to it. I think I know what's happening now uh, there. Hello to Jack, who was in earlier on, and thank you very much indeed for the present. Dolly thanks you as well for the Alpasha ball. She's kicking that around at the moment, uh, and he is over at Turn 10 here on the grounds. And uh, we on scanner frequency 454 even here at the track with Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge practice out at the moment. Hugh Plum uh, out in front in the 13 Porsche at the moment. And in ST, uh, it is Justin Piscatel for the Alara Motorsport Mazda that leads it. Championship up for grabs this weekend. Andrew Carbonell and Stephen McAleer uh, in the uh, 26 and the 5 cars. Andrew Carbonell can't win. Uh, Andrew Carbonell can win the championship this weekend. So can Stephen McAleer and the rest of the CJ Wilson team, and they are locked together, uh, barely a tenth apart in sixth and seventh position. More updates uh, from that as we go through. Uh, brushing up my shape, Spear uh, says Alexander Orkin, um, and lots of other people talking about some news that we'll, we'll pick up with. Uh, Nick Damon in just a moment. 
let's uh, lose that bed and get into the news jingle because we do have some proper news this week. Uh, so I'm going to shuffle the papers. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And as the bed fades gently in the distance, we welcome our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick. Don't want to talk to you. Jealous. Envious. Don't like you. Why? Because you're at Road Atlanta. It's not fair. Uh, it's your favourite place, isn't it? It is. Yes, it is. Yes, yes. Ooh. But I know you got you got Shay with you to turn the whole to, hurt, to turn the desk off. So that's fine. No, no, it'll all be fine. Nothing's going to be turned off. You sure, Derek uh, Daly's not there? Uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> Johnny, if we can uh, lose the bed, please, because I can't hear Nick over the top of it. That would be brilliant. Thank you. Uh, so, Nick, the big story coming out of today is from the World Motorsport Council. Uh, it's uh, it's calendar news, uh, <laughs> and, appar- and apparently uh, 2015 calendars are going very cheap now because they there's are. not much of it left. Uh, but uh, 2016 uh, has uh, has the calendar is out. It's Melbourne, Bahrain, Shanghai, Sochi, Barcelona, Monte Carlo, Montreal, Baku, Spielberg, Silverstone. Budapest, Hockenheim, Time, Spa, Munza, Singapore, Sepang, Suzuka, Austin, Mexico City, Sao Paulo, and Abu Dhabi for a mere 46 uh, events on the calendar. Yeah. And the one that most people will pick out is on the 19th of June, the inaugural Azerbaijan Grand Prix, mm-hmm. which is going to clash with Le Mans weekend. Yes. Now, I think we probably did calendar news about seven weeks ago or eight weeks ago when the original provisional calendar came out, which was still with all these races, though, in a slightly different order and much more condensed and not starting till, I think, two weeks later, the first week of April um, and running through as this later concept. In fairness, that is a traditional time, 20th of March. It's not. Normally around St. Patrick's Day is the first Grand Prix. Yeah. It's normally Melbourne, but, and we're exactly. normally at Sebring when we watch it. So but, that's but, all right. It goes deep into November. 27th of November mm. is the final date at Abu Dhabi. Uh, there'll be a party after that, of course, because we do yeah. like a good Abu Dhabi too. <laughs> but of course, what happened when, that, when the provisional calendar came out a few weeks ago, the uh, F1 field went, hang on me, we want to do 21 races and we're not having a summer break. So they moaned about wanting the summer break. And uh, so they've now shuffled all the dates around to give them that summer break and apparently the only way you could actually do that there was no other combination that would actually allow them to miss the date of Le Mans which is supposed to be and is written down in FIA law if such a thing exists as a you must not schedule an F1 event against Le Mans and they did except it's it, there is an asterisk alongside it that says the start time will be manipulated so yeah. as not to clash with the end of the Le Mans 24 hours that's so right. does that mean a very early morning race, or does that mean racing into the Twiglet uh, at Azerbaijan? It's a lit race, isn't it? Isn't it, isn't it supposed to be a race with, with some lights on it? Yeah, I'm sorry. I have I'm got pretty sure. It, but don't forget, Baku's ahead of us already, isn't it? Because it's way to the uh, east of us. So I think Baku well, is now ahead. Um, so I think though it'll be an evening dusk race. The other question you had, does it, does it necessarily mean that they, also that Le Mans will start earlier? That's the other option. Oh, that's a very good and, point. And don't forget, it's European Championship next year as well in France. Uh, yes, in terms of soccer, football championship. And it they have mean, often of moved the times around for, yes. to avoid football matches. Very good point. It does mean, of course, and we'll discuss this with Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com later on, uh, that Nico Hulkenberg is unlikely to be able to defend his 
championship. Well, oh, here's Le Mans win, excuse me. be effectively impossible because, you know, whilst I'm sure there's some weird way of flying various planes backwards and forwards, I think it's unlikely that unless there's a huge gap in the race. I mean, obviously, the, the whole point about qualifying. I mean, that's the other thing. He's qualifying going to clash with the race. He's qualifying going to be before the race. I mean, I must admit, I think it's, um, it's an odd thing to do. And I'm sure the conspiracy theorists will be straight out of that to try and take the attention away. And after, obviously, it was done, it got someone positive press and obviously f1's not getting so much if i was back here i feel a bit irritated as well if i'm honest well really good up against the world's biggest motor race yeah is, you, uh, no, it, it doesn't it's not exactly you're gonna, you're gonna get a uh, a free um uh pass into, into the press and so it's uh, you know I'm, I'm i'm surprised they have picked that combination of dates um but I think at this point, it's unlikely that anything will now change. There'll be some squealing and, and, and uh, uh, you know, recriminations. But, you know, when you've got a 475 can- race calendar, you can't miss every weekend. But I think it's unfortunate. Let's talk about some of the other things that have come out of, uh, of that World Council, uh, uh, World Sport Council uh, meeting. Um, I didn't realise that, that this wasn't already happening, but uh, all cars must now comply with cockpit and safety equipment during yeah. testing. That, Is that you know, something that I don't know anything about? The only thing I can possibly think that comes from, and this is just a guess, not in any way formed by any, any evidence, is it something to do with Maria de Villotta accident? Was Ooh, there something in the inquest that, that said that that wasn't done properly? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to accuse him of anything. I'm just wondering where that could come from, because normally most of these things are a reaction to something else. Like there was a thing about the cars had to, a few years ago, the cars had to run to wait even in testing after Prost went massively underweight to try and get sponsors. Um, so not sure about that one. Um, you know, there's another, the, the other one I think you've probably seen is uh, that the... Uh, Track limits has been completely not clarified by its clarification. Well, yes, I'm going to read this. This could almost be our pointless press of the release of the uh, the week, but it, it isn't. Um, sporting regulations regarding track limits have been clarified and specify that drivers must, quote, and these are their quotes, must make every reasonable effort to use the track at all times and must not deliberately leave the track without a justifiable reason. Close. Yeah. Quote. Hmm. Penalties. That's, okay, that's, that's on, really cleared it up. Yeah, it, it's now, you know, that's not going to cause any arguments at all, ever. <laughs> um, in the studio with us tonight, uh, Cher Adam and Declan Brennan. Good evening, uh, uh, good afternoon as you are here both. Declan? Uh, hello to everybody listening in Ulaanbaatar. <laughs> and Azerbaijan, where we've got a huge audience. Yes. We're so, big in, in Azerbaijan. And Chick, good afternoon. Hello, John. Good. Hello, Dex. Hello, Excellent. Johnny. Hello, Nick. We need to explore what's a valid reason for leaving the track, to be perfectly honest. I can well, think of a few. Leaving lunch. the gas on. Yes. Obviously, would be a very... like that's, you've, Surely, if you left the gas on, you could leave the track. Uh, obviously. Uh, if you yeah. needed a nip to the bank Get, uh, before yeah. it closed. Sandwich. Yeah, get it. Yeah. If your wife is in labour. No, no. That's, you can have electric yes. cesareans nowadays. They've all got enough money for that. So, I, the several... I think getting, that's... Getting, you're getting a wrong command from your sat-nav? Well, exactly, oh, obviously, because uh-huh. you always obey the sat-nav. Listening to Kimmy, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, the World Motorsport Council have also approved the proposal of the F1 Commission regarding regulations for power unit and gearbox changes so as penalties prior to qualifying will be applied based on time of use for changes made after qualifying. Preference will be given to the driver whose team first informed the technical delegate that a change will occur. 
And yeah. if you can tell me what that means on a I postcard, can. please. Because what does that mean? When they were having multiple penalties earlier this year, no one could work out why Fred was ahead of Barry when they both had the same problem. And it was because um, Fred's team had told uh, the FIA before Barry that they were taking the penalty. Uh, now, the first I like set the way of you used fictitious names there. That was Thank very you. good. Yes, it's, because basically it would just be Red Bull drivers. Um, yes. but, um, or McLaren drivers, in fairness. But now they're saying that what they're actually going to do. So if, if Fred wants to take an engine penalty and Barry does as well, what happens is, is that whoever's, whichever's engine is the newer and therefore is given up quicker, they get more of a penalty. So if you've got an engine that's three races old and it gives up and has to be changes, you get a bigger penalty than somebody whose engine's well, no. on its last fifth. Yes. So the, so the person who has the fourth engine will be considered to have a preference over the third engine failure, so he'll, be one, he'll effectively... Oh, okay. Be one oh, place ahead in that count back. If they're I, the same. I give up. I literally yeah. give up now at this point. But no, it is, it is ridiculous. It's after quali- it? Hang on, no, wait, no, guys, you haven't got anywhere near it. If it's after qualifying, <laughs> it's who runs the stewards first and tells them they've got a problem. Excellent. But what so, if Ian ju- jumps in ahead of Fred Barry or, Barry. or yeah, Fred? Or well, Fred. well, you know, well, uh, this, you know what? It, this could be actually more exciting than the Grand Prix itself, seeing the team managers sprinting you not, to you the not clock of the see, office. I, I'm sorry, but we were talking about this between ourselves last uh, over over dinner uh, last week, John, uh, you, me and Eve, and we're talking about, you know, where F1 hasn't got sponsors, and one place they haven't got sponsors, which we thought they might do, is the, is the latest, you know, semi-virtuous semi, uh, uh, or semi-questionable, um, you know, questionable which is in, in is his betting because there's no in-race betting well here's a fantastic in-race betting market straight away you yes, know who good. gets the penalties penalties first how many penalties are called yeah, it's like the yellow cards the, the size of the penalty yeah who, who can run I mean, fastest well that, john there well, wouldn't be a race for that first? though they would have a designated person waiting at the steward's office to declare that they needed a new engine as soon as practice was over i have uh, heard that, uh, that uh, red bull racing Sign. have s- I've heard that Red Bull Racing have signed Usain Bolt as their Wait, team. No, <laughs> sorry, sorry, no. Red Bull Racing have already developed a uh, it's a, uh, a system of using holograms where they can project <laughs> Christian, uh, Horner, Christian Horner anywhere they want. Into the steward's office. <laughs> At any time. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. That's, that's completely wrong. What happens is Red Bull Racing will get Gary to do the running and then complain he's not fast enough and just blame him the whole time, even though they gave him the paper 10 days too late. Reggie, obviously, that would be. Yes, Reggie, it? very much better, yeah. <laughs> uh, Reggie, the French couple of rewrites. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Do you know the, the issue, uh, and I can make a serious point here, the, the issue with, with everything you've just said is that five minutes into the explanation, I didn't care. And, and I'm being absolutely serious. No, but imagine, is, if you, imagine if you, me and Shea were standing at a Grand Prix partway through the season and having to try and explain this to a TV or a radio audience. It's, it's, it's absolutely nonsense. It just needs to do with diagrams and Lego pieces and people call power. <laughs> Easy. I think we need to get away from those uh, touch screens and do everything with sticky back plastic uh, and straw. Michael body time. Any driver who causes <laughs> a start to be aborted, even if he is then able to start the extra formation lap, will be required to start the race from the pit lane. The same process will be applied for a restart from a race suspension where drivers have, brought, have been brought to the pit lane. Okay, that, that's fairly self-explanatory. That's, and that's uh, a change. Yeah. Because before they had to just, they just start at the back of the grid, didn't they? Correct. Mm-hmm. Unless they could take up their position no, no, before. No, no, no. If you've caused a start to be aborted, you have to start from the back. Right, you don't okay. get way off the line. As long as the last car's not past you, you can, you can get your place back. Thank you. Uh, a number of clarifications made to aerodynamic testing... 
Uh, the, um, sorry, the f- already the best reason, <laughs> valid reason for leaving the track from Jack, who was with us earlier today. Uh, driving at Le Mans? Yep, that's a good reason for leaving the track. <laughs> uh, CFD, wind tunnels, focusing on reporting and inspecting resources for those de- development tools. That's an anti-Red Bull r- law straight away there, isn't it? Mm, um, separate exhaust waste grate tailpipe through which all and only waste gate gases must pass. This measure has been undertaken to increase the noise of the cars and will not have any significant effect on power or emissions. No, but it stops anybody using that as a, a gas back hybrid, doesn't it? Oh, dear me. And then there's some Blue, stuff I'll tell you what, it, I'll tell you what if it's having no effect on emissions, there's another reason why VW won't join. Well, exactly. Uh, there's, a new, there's, there's the calendar for Formula uh, E, which has still got the United Kingdom London in there on the uh, 2nd and 3rd of July. Are they back in Miami? Uh, hang on. It's very small writing. Uh, Long no. Beach. Hmm. Long Beach. Um, well, they're, they're likely not going to be a Battersea again because there's been a huge amount of public um, outcry about how long the, the park was out of out of commission for it was over three weeks and the local residents have gone uh, a little bit um, got a little Break. bit upset, upset about that uh, World Touring Car Regulations and CIK uh, Alternative Energies Cup World Rally Championship etc etc it's, it's mainly uh, oh FIA GT what have they said about FIA GT uh, helmets ah <laughs> now interesting um, distance between the helmet and the headrest, implementation of nets. That's uh, almost c- certainly after Marcus Mahi's incident at mm. the Spa 24, where Marcus's uh, helmet, a full face helmet, was completely ripped off his head in a, a rollover accident. Um, glad to hear that Marcus is getting a lot better. Nice little piece on him on, uh, on DSC. Um, let's move away from that to Snoozuka at the weekend. <laughs> What are you talking um, about? The, ra- the race I saw was fantastic. The only problem is it was a race between 7th, 8th and 9th. I never saw the leaders. Mm. And that's been a bit of a controversial point, hasn't it? Yeah, because Bernie did it. He says he didn't, of course. Well, of course he said he didn't. I don't wish, <laughs> I don't wish to say... This is, see, now, now, people often say, you know, that the stuff we do is mere speculation and, and you know, we, this is something I know something about. Burning in television. You have worked for Burning Vision, haven't Just you? Just for the seven years. And mm. trust me, making people disappear was common. Often for only a session, in fairness. But yeah, they, they, they wasn't vindictive. You know, someone had slightly upset him. It was like, right, your car's not on for first practice, or we're not happy with you. Bang goes your qualifying. Um, but yeah, um, people are thinking, thinking, seem to think it happened with Force India about four years ago. No, 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 no. Any to, ever since Bernie's been controlled. That was controlled, in Bahrain, yeah. wasn't it? When they, yeah. when they were they were silly enough to actually have some moral standards. Point <laughs> out the insurrection going on, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So no, obviously Mercedes have upset him in some way, and uh, because it, the, the, I must admit, I'm a little bit disappointed with the people at FOM who I actually understand, who I actually know as well, being that spineless. I know it's hard to say no to Bernie, but it's you sit there, you go, sure they have so- some artistic. Or license production? Values. No, do they not have some? Do they not have some some production value. They don't have some credibility. I had a long conversation with someone we work we work for 
all of us, well, you, me, and I, you and I do, John, uh, who had a complaint about something we done when we just beat, when we just reported what happened. So, so we, yeah, we're not your mouth. We are journalists as well as everything else, and you have to be. You can't do that. And I, I was very, very disappointed that they made it so obvious as well. It's been suggested that it's because Mercedes Benz don't really want to give one of their major competitor teams a sniff of their engine technology. Well, is I mean, that reasonable? I you know, there's so many reasons you can upset Bernie. Um, being too good, apparently, is one of them. Um, I don't know what he's on. I don't, I don't think it helps. Because, I mean, the point about it is also, say, everyone knows it's what happened. People, can, people know how races are covered. You cover a race completely differently. People are going to notice. And obviously, when you've got, I'm sure I, I watched the Sky program. I, I noticed it. And about the same time, Brundle noticed it. And he's going, oh, well, this is, just, this is so obvious. You know, even when the leader's out in the lead, you give him, you always have every now and again, you go back to the leader, show him for a lap, and then you go off again. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. It was more, actually, it was more evident when they wouldn't show when Fettel got really close to getting back past Rosberg again, but they were showing the gap. But they were carrying on showing us 12th, 13th and 14th going around, not Vettel being a second behind Rosberg. Did like, I even see Hamilton's pit stop? You only I saw know. him as he left the pits. If you're going to do it, have the chutzpah to say, yeah, we did it. Don't Very lie good. about it. Shea Adam is in the studio here at Atlanta. Question for you, Nick. Did this mm-hmm. ever happen when Vettel was winning everything? Uh, it's nothing to do with that. It's just it's to do with who, who, who he's annoyed. Um, yeah, he wasn't, I'm just curious no, no, if it was... No, don't forget, he absolutely loved Red Bull and Vettel um, while they were winning. And then when Hamilton won, he started loving Hamilton again. He actually, he actually criticised Vettel, didn't he, after last year, uh, saying he wasn't, he wasn't showbiz enough. And now he's decided that, that Lewis is too showbiz and he wants to go back to Vettel again. This is an 85... These are the rantings of an 85-year-old despot. You know, he's, he's slightly better than Mugabe, but, you know, it's pretty much a toss-up, really. <laughs> And those Blackhawk helicopters circling over Nick Damon's house. Even as we speak. Fortunately, he's in a reinforced I, I, bunker. Declan. I say Nick Damon has just won the damning with faint praise in uh, <laughs> World Championships with he's slightly better than Mugabe. Uh, Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsGuard.com, uh, joins Series 10, Episode 38, the one with Mugabe, as it's now going to be known forever and a day. Good evening, Graham. Good evening, Graham. Sorry, not hearing Graham at the moment, if, uh, if he is talking. Uh, we'll come back to uh, Graham Goodwin in, uh, in just a moment's time, uh, if we can. Uh, Nick Damon, are you still with us? Oh, I'm still with you. Oh, excellent. Um, uh, we'll get back to Graham in just a second. Um, let, let's go back to the Grand Prix. I, I wanted yep. to bring Graham in on the, the Le Mans side of things, but we can do that afterwards. Let's get back to the Grand Prix. Um, it was all over by the exit of turn number one. Yeah. <sighs> Rosberg tried to sort of be a bit upset about it, but really, I think in his heart of hearts, he knew that he hadn't done enough to keep uh, to keep Hamilton back. Uh, in, I thought Hamilton was a pretty good yeah, race after that. In the words of 1970s football, that was hard but fair. Um, but he United, went, oh, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it wasn't quite. Well, it wasn't really. Was it? Was it Norman Hunter? It, possibly. Yeah, he bit your legs a bit. Uh, I mean, Rosberg's a beaten man, basically. So it. Yeah, he's, he's, he needs chronic unreliability now to give him a chance. Um, by the way, did any of us have our surprise face on when we found out that Singapore was a one-off? No. No. Uh, it's like I, mean, I could. I know. I know. It's the job of the uh, the jobbing F1 journalist to build it up, but even they must sit there writing the words, thinking, "I'm going to seem an idiot." Because we all knew it was a one-off, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that in fairness, the race was was poor. Um, it was only made interesting because 
Rosberg got run out and got to fourth, and people had to be slightly clever to get up to second, and the part in it just trundled around. In, in fairness, I thought that was a pretty good run from Rosberg and his side of the Mercedes-Benz garage. I thought they they used the tactics pretty well. Um, you know, Rosberg had to drive pretty hard actually, and uh, as you said, he dropped down to fourth. And we've seen in the past that that sometimes would have been the end for him and he, I, he would have just faded yeah, from I, there. And he didn't. And I thought that was actually a, a, a show of um, a, a little bit of guts again from uh, Rosberg. Uh, you know that my um, my whole th- thoughts about Rosberg changed a lot last year in Canada when he got the car to the end of the race with the same issue that Lewis didn't. And at the end of the year, even when the car was failing and he had no chance of the championship to say to the team, I'd like to finish this one out, guys, and not part yeah, I, 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 I thought that showed a lot of spirit. And I, I thought that Ro- the too. The thing is that Rosberg can beat any of the drivers apart from Hamilton. I'm, not, I'm actually not talking about the car. I think mentally he can beat any of the drivers. He, he, he can't beat Hamilton. He's completely beaten by him. Mm. He is completely destroyed by him. It's Sete Gibernau and Valentino Rossi all over again. He's completely one, mentally destroyed. And, there's uh, nothing, and he won't come back next year. So he can't, there's nothing he can do unless Hamilton beats himself. Yes, mm. which is, as we've said many times on this program, the biggest uh, uh, potential uh, uh, competitor the thing, to sorry, Hamilton is. Okay. The other thing I thought was, actually, for once, Mercedes seemed to have a concept of strategy as well. With, no, uh, with I, I, I Because they've been wanting on that in every other race so far when it's been challenged. Right, here is... Uh, so, so, OK, that that's all of that. Uh, Vettel showing good speed again for Ferrari. Verstappen was fun to watch. Verstappen was fun to watch. Had that big off-in qualifying, didn't he? Uh, that uh, was Kvyat. Oh, that was Kvyat. Sorry, mm-hmm. yes, it was. Um, he had... Uh, I thought it was... I, I watched a bit more of it than I normally do at the weekend because I was doing it all on the iPlayer um, yeah. because the... Uh, the hotel where I was staying had a smart TV, so it meant I didn't have to get up at the top I start in the morning. And kudos, by the way, to the BBC for turning around the full one and a half hours of FP1 and 2 and the one hour of FP3 and then the qualifying as quickly as they did onto the iPlayer. Well, if I were you, I would enjoy it while you can. I can't see him renewing the contract, not after the news about the golf today. Uh, okay, we'll come back to that in uh, a little moment's time. Um, we finally got some clarity about if, you know, if we're not sure that Rosberg will come back any stronger next year. Does that mean he'll stay? Does it mean he goes? Oh, yeah, uh, definitely stay. Okay. Obviously. Well, of course, there is the outside chance of four drivers going to turn up on the marketplace. We still don't know what's going on there, do we? If Red Bull well, and they pull out, what's going to happen? Well, that's a very good point. We did find out, though, from Ron Dennis himself in an interview to the BBC <laughs> that was, in some places, rather underreported, that um, uh, that Alonso and uh, Button will be back next year. He told Jensen on Thursday that they weren't going to exercise the break con- uh, clause in his contract. He's back for a further year. Alonso, he said at least twice in an interview with Susie Perry on the BBC, has a three-year contract. So, no change next year then at McLaren Honda, Nick. Who knows? Um, <laughs> just because, well, both just Alonso because... and Button have got previous for breaking contracts, haven't they? Well, Button, I think, actually, it's been a weird one here. I mean, some people are saying that Button's played a fantastic piece of brinkmanship with Ron, and others have said that they've managed to change his mind. Others have said that just what was being said in Japan was because it was Japan, it was Honda, and they were just you know, hiding... The divisions under a bushel as such. The fact is that um, 
Jensen was making every single indication he wanted to. He was going to quit and he was going to do something else and do it on his own terms. And obviously, he's got the, the very attractive character of $16 million next year if he, if he runs with McLaren again. But it's like he doesn't need the money. And does he want? And does he actually think it's going to be any better? Alonso effectively um, didn't so much throw his toys out of the pram as throw the whole Toys R Us out of the pram during the race. Um, and uh, you know, he basically decided. I, now let's see. Now where shall I vent my frustration? Shall I do it in? Shall I do it in Singapore, where the car's not very good? No. Shall I do it? No. Monza, where it's really bad. Do you know what? I'm going to do it at the track owned by the people who make my engine. That's a really good idea. And he, you know, Alonso doesn't do anything in the heat of the moment because he's frustrated. The man's the most calculated man out there. You know, he's, you know, he's absolutely appalling at choosing when to move teams, um, which is quite the reverse of uh, of Lewis and uh, and Sebastian. But, uh, um, you know, I think you know, Alonso doesn't really want to be there, but he has no option. He's, you know, his only other option is not being in F1. And oh, well, now there is a Porsche seat now for next year, so who knows? But. Um, you know, it's 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 a very difficult situation. Ron's running around trying to Ron speak the whole thing away, but you know he's got a situation where he's got the two most effectively the two most experienced drivers on the grid in his team. Um, I think it's Felipe Massa done more races than yeah, possibly, but um, you know, and they're not prepared to really go with the flow of it. Yeah, no. But I, I do. I do, if you ask me, I have absolutely no idea if those two will be in the car next year could be well, might be none of them who knows because it's so messed up with very intricate politics and more importantly very intricate personalities yeah who knows it's nearly half past eight that's nick damon our formula one correspondent he's going to stay with us it's Shea adam with me john hindorf and declan brennan's had to uh nip off and write a press release but he'll be back later on uh, in the show we're at road atlanta of course for our imsa radio coverage uh, of the 10 hours of road atlanta powered by mazda this weekend, Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, joins us now. Good evening, Graham. Should I pretend to be him? No. Okay. Um, we'll come back to Graham in just a moment. Then. Not sh- not sure if uh, Nick or any of the listeners are hearing, but I'm not I uh, am. hearing. I'm, I'm not hearing anything. I'm I'm just here, but I'm I'm hearing what you're hearing. All right. Okay. We'll come back with uh, Gigi in a moment. It does give us a chance to talk about the other driver movements uh, this week. Uh, Nick, and that is, of course, uh, the Haas Formula One uh, team, but not yes. all of the announcement. Well, no, they they, they announced, uh, as had been, well, not so much trailed as absolutely said, uh, that Roman Grosjean was going to join them, which is an interesting, you know, gamble by Roman, with um, theoretically Lotus being taken over by Renault, which you know, should happen in the next six to eight weeks. Um, but Roman's jumped ship. He's decided to join Haas. Uh, Haas did not announce their second driver. Um, so Gutierrez so... can sit on his uh, sit his hands for a week or two more. Do you think? Well, I, do you do you think they might want to get some publicity when the Grand Prix goes to Mexico? Uh... Any chance? <laughs> Just a guess. Um, you know, I think, and, and also don't forget that if you announce one driver at a time, you get two press conferences and two lots of pro- of, of PR. Did it get much PR over here, though, Shea? That's the question. On Tuesday, at whatever time it was in the morning, um, I didn't notice it. It was on Twitter. <laughs> it wasn't on any major uh, news source. Now, had it have been an American driver, it probably would have been splashed all over the pages of mm. some of the lesser journalistic institutions, but no. How did the Rossi thing play over here at the weekend? 
It didn't. <laughs> so I, I saw I saw the coverage of Singapore and they made quite a big big of it there, but it hasn't really captured people's an, uh, attention here. It was the sort of thing that every now and then Lee Diffie was mentioning where he was during the race, mm-hmm. but there was no after effect. There was no American finishes race in Suzuka. There there was none of that. It was just sort of. Uh, your regular Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's uh, interesting. Uh, let's have a look at the... Uh, by the way, it's at Specutainment uh, this evening. A lot of boo hisses and uh, sort of pantomime shouting going on about Le Mans classing with um, Azerbaijan, which uh, quite uh, clearly uh, you are upset about. Um, Glenn Lubbock, among many, that says Le Mans on in this house, F1 not even close. Um, rotation up north says if the BBC drops or doesn't renew Formula One, can it then start showing uh, some actual motorsport? Ooh, hasn't got any if money to show. Any, it's got no money to show anything. Well, nobody's got any money to show, to say anything to show anything, is it? Because the, the Sky football... and BT have. Well, Sky have spent overspent, haven't they? Because they're panicked. Uh, on the mm. English Premier League, and now they don't have the money for Formula One either, um, well, and they're they yeah. having they're having to uh, bring in Sky Italy, Sky like UK, Germany. and Sky Germany into a single production house, and I think that's going to be really interesting next year. Well, there's a lot of arm uh, waving. Um, <laughs> absolutely. So, where do you watch your NFL games then? Where do you watch the Oakland Raiders continue to win? That was the biggest news on Sunday. Mm. Sorry. I nearly brought my shirt. Do you know that? You should have. I'd very mm. nearly brought my shirt. Um, no, that'll still be on Sky because they don't do much with that. Mm. No, well, the, just, just for people who don't know, what happened today was that the BBC who uh, backed out of the final year of their open coverage and handed the live coverage to Sky a year early to save money. Did they? Yeah. You wouldn't know that. that oh, happened you today. said golf. I thought you golf. said golf. No, the golf. Right. Yeah, the I open, was thinking, yeah. what's happening in the golf? No, no, oh, the right. Open Golf, so they backed out a year to save money. They are desperately saving money. Um, it's a very big chunk of wedge if they pull out. Oh, very good. Uh-huh. Is, it, is, it, is it a sand wedge? Yes, indeed. Uh, it's a lot of money if they pull out of F1. And, you know, the numbers are reasonably okay, but it's, it's, a, it's a, you kind of think, what, you know, it would, would a terrestrial channel pick it up anymore? I can't see ITV going back out for it. So... It's, a, it's an interesting thing. I think it's 18 it runs out, isn't it? I think it's two more years, or four, yeah, 18, 16, 17. Yes. So, so, and I think, you know, it's, it's not, you know, and it's a, it's, obviously it's quite parochial in it's the UK, but that whole model will spread all around Europe and it'll be pay only. And that will end up causing more problems for F1 because it won't get the eyes on it. Um, right. So the well, sponsors this is the problem, will disappear. Uh, and sorry to be a bit parochial to our international listeners, but this model has already happened. It's happened in cricket. And yep. cricket, the England and Wales Cricket Board, the ECB, uh, took a, for that sport quite large amount of money from pay-per-view television, from Sky in the UK, for all of the uh, England cricket matches and from most of the domestic series as well. That was great short term, um, but longer term, it all went to port for them because they found it very difficult, if not to say impossible, to attract sponsors anywhere near the level that they used to be able to do when they were on terrestrial free-to-view or free-to-air television. And that gave them a real income issue. And it's a bit like you can't have at both ends of the candle burning at the same time, obviously. You've got to balance things out. They clearly hadn't got the balance right, and that has caused problems for the game uh, in 
uh, terms of incoming uh, finances. Uh, that I don't think that would take very long, Nick, to, to bite in Formula One because there's already issues with... I mean, McLaren's run for two years now without... Uh, nearly th- in fact, three years, hasn't it? No, I mean, if you, I mean the, the average... Without sponsor. I think the average viewing for... for I mean, this, is one, this is the one time I need Tim here, but I think the average viewing for the BBC is about four and a half million a race, and the average viewing for Sky is about 600,000. So you're right. effectively going to remove four million or four and a half million eyes um, from the event. I mean, obviously, a few will then pony up to Sky, but most of them won't. They just won't watch it. Um, and that's an awful lot of people not watching an event, who, you know, especially given that the UK is a key market. You know, there's, there's, you know, let's be honest about this. Advertisers are more interested in, in 4 million eyes in the UK than they are in 4 million eyes in Indonesia because the amount of people to spend money is much greater in the UK. You know, Paul Dunk suggesting that if the BBC won't do free to air, we'll do it on uh, Radio Le Mans. Um, so I, I'm and having sat with Dunky and watched, uh, who by the way, no apologies for absence for Dunky tonight. Lack of players in his five-a-side league, so he's actually listening live for once. Hello, Dunky. Uh, I, I have sat and watched golf with Dunky, and his uh, colour commentary. Uh, adds just a completely different dimension to what was going on. So I'd certainly be up for that. Very nearly did golf radio a few years ago. Um, you're listening to Midweek Morning Sports, Series 10, Episode 38. Stuart Hart is talking about... Uh, Stuart Hart, excuse me, talking about uh, TV colour uh, coverage. Don't know if you realise, but Quest, owned by Eurosport, shows WEC highlights after uh, their Le Mans ratings. It's on, it's on Freeview. Yeah, but oddly, they do their own edit, and Martin Haven revoices it afterwards. Uh, Toby Moody was at, uh, at court doing some filming, I think, for them. Don't understand that when... The 52-minute highlights are produced specifically with a chunk of 30 minutes in the middle for Eurosport to show. They don't just do the same thing or show the 52-minute highlights yeah, that is actually produced by Euros- the series. Yeah, but, but why does Eurosport revoice your world feed? I know. With people who are I, less qualified. Sorry, yes, but they I'm, are. They're not there and I'm they not, aren't. You know, and it, 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 there. And prevents a real problem because I'm sitting there. Do I watch Fuzzy Motors with the right commentary or do I watch high-definition Eurosport with the wrong commentary? It's a nightmare for us at home. Sort it out, please. Get the app. That's easy. <laughs> Get the app. the app. I'm very app uh, with the app. Mm. Uh, right, let's uh, let's move on. Nick, I'm going to, um, if if I w- if I may, I'm going to cut you loose for a moment. I'd like to get you back to talk about uh, motorcycles uh, okay. later on because I didn't see any um, motorcycling you? at the at the very weekend. Good, I was very t- good last five laps. Oh, I hate mm. you. I hate you for that. Um, I'm just trying to work out... Oh, no, there's one more story before I let you go, of course. And had I been at Hindhoff Towers, I would have now been seeing protect and survive. <laughs> Build your fallout shelter like this. Um, or at least we would have been playing that clip because Pat would you Allen, not, who... Would you not what? have been doing some sort of basic economics with two-year-olds? Because that's really what appears to have gone wrong here. This was a quote picked <laughs> up by the BBC, among others. And because I was up at Old Dark 30... Um, in fact, actually, it was half an hour before All Dark 30. It was just All Dark um, on Monday to head to the airport. I was listening to the very early Five Live Money show on, on the BBC and an almost throwaway line that Silverstone CEO Patrick Allen has said, without a significant investor, the Formula One contract at Silverstone is in jeopardy. So then started to look to see what he'd actually said and basically, they got their sums wrong, Nick, didn't they? 
Yeah, what happened was um, they kind of thought that they, they, they had to borrow a lot of money to build the appalling wing. Sorry, the, the brand new wing uh, from, I think, the banks and from the local council. And the actual debt repayments were sort of, you know, a pain and it was causing them various financial issues. I thought, what we'll do is we need to raise, I think it was 23 million pounds. So we're going to sell off this lump of land we have um, and off we go. So they sold off the lump of land. And then they thought, hang on, why isn't our cash flow as good as it was? Why aren't we getting as much money in? And they realized, oh, because we sold the land, we don't get the rent anymore. It's like, oh, for goodness sake. So they got a shortfall. And as everyone knows, it's very, very, very hard to make money um, out of a Grand Prix. Best you can do is break even. And they are worried about the accelerator, which I think is only 5 or 6% a year, but still way of inflation because they have the normal problem is they have a limited amount of money you can charge people and you have a limited amount of tickets you can sell. And the two numbers, when they add together, don't always add up to enough to cover the Grand Prix. So they're looking for a significant investor. But the I couldn't journalist... work out what the investor would get. Yes, well, it's but the journalist who... Um who wrote the original Telegraph story, although um, I'm not certain whether this was the original story, then also followed it up with a piece, I think, in the FT, uh, quoting himself as a source, which I thought was quite interesting. He's also known to be a bit of a Bernie plant, in fairness. Uh, however, I don't see what Bernie gets out of this. Um, and, and these quotes were attributed to Patrick Allen, the CEO of of Silverstone, and that is that's his, what he is, and they haven't denied them. So clearly... There was some conversation. I don't see what Bernie gets out of this other than, you know, uh, th there was a lot of talk um, about how uh, Silverstone can't compete because it doesn't get any, uh, any subsidy from the UK government. Well, that's never going to happen because Silverstone is owned by the BRDC, which is a private members club, which, um, I don't know, how much money have they got in their accounts? How much surplus have they got? We don't know because it's a private members club. So it's, you know, I, I just that's never, ever going to happen in terms of a subsidy. I, I don't see how this helps Bernie. Um, it, it potentially gets Silverstone out of a contract that's supposed to run for 15 years. Um, and as many people have said on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collectors on Facebook, Collective on Facebook, which I think very sensibly, Paul Tarsi, among those saying, guys, you've got to look at this as a business. Silverstone, wake up, smell the coffee. If you can't make enough... Despite the fact that you've got one of the lowest multipliers um, of any circuit, that you are allowed to keep some of the hospitality, you keep all of the uh, event sponsorship money, and there's even a bit of signage that you get, which is quite unusual, um, unusual. then you still can't... Very unusual, yes. Um, then you still can't make money out of this? Then at some stage, Nick, somebody's got to say, is it worth doing it? Or it's too expensive. Now, the, well, don't that, forget is, that is, you've got, yeah, you've got the same. If you look at the the whole point about this, it, it spins into the issue with with European races, in that we've got Monza in terrible trouble, Germany in terrible trouble, now UK suddenly in trouble after not looking it was, and I'm sure when there's a renewal at Spa, and eventually, yeah, the European circuits are not backed by government who can't throw 10, 15, 20 million pounds or dollars uh, into the event. They're always going to struggle, and they'll never be able to compete against Baku. Baku's probably thrown, I don't know, probably $100 million at it to get it, you know, and then they get a day that clashes with Le Mans. But as I say, chuffed to bits, I bet. Jack Solowski, in fairness, has just tweeted at Spectutainment and RC Racing said, Silverstone, question mark, not counting properly, question mark. <laughs> Let me get my hashtag not surprised face on. 
Uh, fair point, well made and nicely presented. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just don't see where that story goes because I don't see it benefiting Silverstone long term because Bernie's not going to drop the price. I don't see it benefiting Bernie because there's nobody out there, absolutely nobody, there's not even the staunchest of British motorsport fan, really with hand on heart, could say that the British government should be supporting that event, yeah. at that circuit, and putting more money into Bernie's pocket. I think it's a disgrace that the BBC pay as much as they do for the rights because, you know, that effectively is our money that they're paying. Um, I, I, I do think it's a difficult one. I don't see what the point is in that, but I'm, su- I'm suspecting that that is uh, something that we are going to uh, continue to hear about in the next few weeks. There was a board meeting at Silverstone, I think today, actually, if it's not today, it's tomorrow. So we'll try and find out something about that for the coming weeks. Nick, can we drop you for a moment and get Graham up? And what we'll do is we'll get you back for a bit of uh, motorcycle in the second hour. Is that all right? No, that's fine. One other thing, sorry, just, just while I was thinking of it, is, of course, mm-hmm. so don't forget, it always helps have all these stories swirling around because they've taken the focus away from the uh, uh, the two teams who've, plug- who've lodged an official complaint with the EU. Because if that goes forward, it's going to really put cat amongst pigeons. Uh, oh, and what's that? I've missed that completely. Oh, have you missed that? Oh, no, Force India and Sauber have officially complained to the EU about the way the money's handed out. Oh, in a FIFA-type way. And you know how the EU have, have, have after getting very interested, then backed off F1? Um, yes. Effectively, what they're saying is the way the, the payments are done, um, including the historical You're a Great Team payments, uh, it's anti-competitive. Of course it is. Uh, the only prize money, the prize money is fine. That's absolutely fine. But the They're fact you get money, historic money. The, the money for showing up money um, yes. is uh, indefensible in a competitive environment. And if they're saying it's competitive and not a sport, and yeah, and so basically Force India and Sarah got fed up being told to shut up and have decided to go and lodge a complaint with the EU. Flip side of this, it'll take years. But you know, it's another thing that's coming, and, and it's obviously if you haven't heard of it, it, it this uh, smokescreen, other things must have worked then. Well, no. In fairness, I was I was on a uh, aluminium tube for most of the early part of the week, and I don't have the best internet connections um, driving backwards and forwards from our lodgings, uh, and I've been rather otherwise engaged getting set up with things this week. So that I'll, I'll now have to. Um, find out more about that, Nick. For the moment, thanks very much indeed. No worries. I got a coffee. That's just, Nick- just tell me, give me five minutes' notice, and I'll be back. Okay, Nick Damon uh, joining us uh, from the very centre of the motorsport uh, triangle, and uh, Eve lets me know on Skype in front of me that the Silverstone AGM is uh, today. Um, the uh, let's see what you've been seeing on the Twitter. Uh, no Red Bull. No Silverstone, no BBC, no F1, says OK sort of person uh, <laughs> to add Silverstone. That's very good. Great handle. Great handle. Very good indeed. Honest uh, too. Uh, Fitrin Dimas says uh, the audience surely will pick the French classic rather than a new event in some new country. You're talking about the Azerbaijan clash, uh, not the only clash uh, next year. Uh, so let's go to Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, who is in the shed, the Supreme, he- Supreme Headquarters uh, Endurance Division. Uh, good evening, Graham. Good evening. Hopefully you can hear me now. Yes, you are perfect. Hey! Absolutely perfect. Good to have your company. Um, let's get straight to that uh, story that we were talking about um, on with, with Nick uh, uh, just a few 
uh, moments ago, Graham, if we will. These calendar, well, I was going to say a calendar clash. Uh, uh, it's calendar clashes, actually, with FIA, uh, WEC and Formula One. Silverstone clashes with China. Le Mans with Baku. Nürburgring with Hungary. Mexico City with Italy. Quarter with Singapore. And Shanghai with Mexico City. All of they a really, sudden... They really, really didn't want Alonso or Button to come, did they? <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Well... You know, in some ways, is is this not a backhanded compliment to Gerard Navarre, to Pierre Fillon, and to the rest of the FIAWEC? Um, uh, you know what? I'm looking at this World Motorsport Council press release. There is one downside to it. We'll come to the technical bits, I'm sure, in a minute, which is the mistake here is that they don't brief us about some of the reasoning behind some of this stuff, um, which means that what then happens... It's like putting a smallpox virus into a crowded room, isn't it, really? Um, everything spreads very rapidly and usually in the wrong direction. And basically, you can read that, uh, that uh, that's World Motorsport Council um, presser, as if it's 1992 again. Um, and that mm. actually what's happening is the rug is being pulled from underneath the WEC. I'm not sure it's quite that blunt. Um, I'm sure that uh, when we when we you know we get to a bit more of a brief on the, the power restriction stuff, we'll come I'm sure to that, John, in a moment. Um, that there'll be a better explanation than they've been able to give us in their Twitter-like uh, brevity on uh, on the press release. As for the calendar, well, interesting that the the, um, the 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 bar, if you like, on clashes clearly applies simply to TV and not to the participants. It's as yes. simple as that. Um, and that's, that's not uh, what I'm sure that's not what the original spirit of that was meant for. There was a, a collective sigh of relief, if not to say a wee cheer from various broadcasters in Europe and teams and drivers when a few years ago it would appear that Le Mans and Formula One was being kept apart. And indeed, uh, you know, some people would say, why are we having an FIA Formula One race and an FIA WEC race six times in the season? Um, on the same day, that um, just doesn't doesn't make any sense. It to me, I don't know, John. To me, I think it's just cack-handed. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, for for the most important endurance race on the planet, uh, to figure in the kind of company that, uh, with the greatest respect to to Baku, you know, it just shouldn't even be on the same planet. Uh, in terms of their, their considerations, to try to, to try to squeeze it in that direction is just 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 a completely wrong-headed decision. And yet the fact that it does have an effect on, um, you know, potentially Nico Hulkenberg in particular, that uh, you know yes. Nico might not be able to go and um, and defend his title, is pretty inexcusably cheap, frankly. Graham, stay with us. We're going to come back to some more uh, world's uh, endurance stories, but a little closer to home, or at least a little closer to where I am at the moment this weekend, sees the conclusion of a superb season. And, Graham, I think you'll agree with me of Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. Uh, at the head of the field, the GS 
uh, challenges all bar done and dusted unless the Camaros drive into themselves right each other off and can't make the grid uh, at the start of the race uh, it's pretty much sorted for Robin Liddell and Andrew Davis I think if one of them sneezes and they roll across the line at the start they've won the championship uh, however in ST that is far from the case it's been a great battle all season long between Freedom Motorsports and CJ Wilson's team and we have the two guys who are battling for the championship joining us here in the booth overlooking the start finish line Chad McCombie and Stephen McAleer gentlemen Good afternoon, as it is here. Hello, thank thanks for all, having us. Are we all good, Chad? You feeling good for this weekend? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. No, this is uh, this is almost hometown race for me here in VIR. You know, being from North Carolina, we uh, it'd be nice to bring home that championship for Mod Space and all the hometown folks coming out. Stephen, it's been a cracking championship from our point of view. Watching it, the racing right throughout the field, both in GS and particularly in ST, has kept us on the edge of our seats. I was talking to someone the other day saying, I've actually now stopped counting how many times podium or even leading places have changed in the last five laps of the race. I mean, from your point of view, being involved in it, are you aware of, of how much is going on or are you completely focused on just what's happening with your car? No, we obviously, you know, we're watching where the championship leaders are. Um, you know, we're very aware of who we're racing. Uh, you know, certainly the last race at Circuit of Americas was, you know, a ton of fun with Spencer. And, uh, you know, if that had been a, maybe a closer contender, we could have maybe tried something a little stupider. And, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but, you know, overall it was, a, it was a ton of fun. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're here to win a championship. So, you know, there's two cars out there right now that are, are going to be in a, a position to challenge for that. So that's the two we'll be looking for, and we'll do the best job that we can. Uh, uh, anyone else but Spencer Pumpelli, I think you probably would have had a chance to get him by. I thought he, the, both of you drove very, very well. And even though he's not involved in the championship, he had the heartbreaker of running out of fuel, didn't he? Uh, two corners from the end at, at, at Road America. But I thought that was a brilliant battle. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Have you done the arithmetical progression, or is it basically just winner takes all out there? Does, do either of you know? Oh, we know exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, you know, the, the 26 car, uh, Freedom Autosport, obviously they've had a, a great run this year as well with Liam and, and Andrew. And, uh, you know, we get a point lead on them, so, you know, we know we're ne we need to be, uh, get a little bit of a margin on uh, Eric Foss, but, you know, the Porsche Caymans are strong here. Um, but overall, you know, we had a good car in practice, and I, f I feel that, you know, we can challenge for a top five spot here, and, and hopefully with the, the other cars behind us, that might be enough. Chad, the MX-5 has been an awesome machine this year. We talk about some of the tracks where we expect it to be good, but actually it's done pretty well all round. It's been a very good all-rounder, and that is a key to a championship like this. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, I think it's a testament to the Mazda teams. You know, our guys in particular, uh, C.J. Wilson Racing, has worked really hard to, to make our mod space car better and better week in, week out. Um, and, and all the Mazda teams work so hard to keep making their own machines better. It pushes us all. Uh, we, we all force each other to, to make them get better and better. So, um, you know, we, we've definitely been stronger at some, some venues that we had question marks on uh, from previous years. So, and this is one of those. This is somewhere we haven't necessarily uh, had, the, had the top speed we needed, but uh, yeah, we were both encouraged in practice, and they've made major strides again. So, uh, that that championship battle could uh, could be closer to the front than we think. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one at, at the weekend. Um, got to go back to Watkins Glen in the wet. An absolute fabulous race and a breakout season for you. But that a lot of people will look at that and say that was your breakout race. It's easy to do that because of of what went on. 
clearly this whole season's been a learning process to you. How do you think, from your point of view, coming from Oval Racing into circuit racing, how do you think the season's gone for you? Oh, it's been huge. You know, and the biggest thing and the, the biggest challenge for me over the last three years has been uh, the only time I drive a sports car is when I show up to these, these races and drive that mod space car. So um, those 10 weekends a year that I get to sit in a sports car, I've got to try to get the most out of it yeah. I possibly can. So we run 36, 40 races in a stock car uh, per year. So it took it's taken three years to get one season worth of stock car racing in. Yes. Um, so it, I think that once it clicked, though, you know, I think the biggest thing for me was the confidence builder of the rain. I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, rain racing is totally different than dirt racing. I've learned that, uh, and and there, there's the cushion is way different. There isn't one. <laughs> but that that was that for me. That was one of the quotes, if not the quotes, that we've had on IMSA Radio across the season. Was you talking about finding the grip and finding the cushion, meaning the grip cushion, a virtual mm -hmm. cushion, right. not necessarily a physical cushion as you would have on the outside of the dirt. But f right. and I, I knew exactly when you was it share that you were talking to i thought it was down in the pit lane when you said that i just thought it was a very eloquent way of describing that and something that i've talked to to other people about um since then finding the rain line effectively as we would call yes, it absolutely uh, and you know clearly you enjoyed that race what's he been like as a teammate this david this year uh, he's been fun you know he's uh, he's uh, he's came a long way and he, even last year you know we saw some pretty impressive performances from him um you know we're really excited about it this year. We're we're not too concerned who starts or who finishes. You know it's a a team effort here, and uh, you know we're really excited uh, to have him as a teammate. You know, touch wood, the cars had no damage all season. For oh, you had us. to uh, say so that. Let's throw that in. He there. had to say you know. that. Um, He's about to be punched by his PR. Let's, yeah. let's add some rain tomorrow and uh, and during the race. It's, uh, uh, you're not out of the woods with the rain. You could get the rain, but neither no, of you two guys. I, I'm are ready for. That. Now, though, I feel, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I would have hated to go into championship weekend and uh, seeing that kind of forecast uh, a couple of years ago, that's for sure. But now uh, I'm not too concerned about it. The, and, and Steven's been a big help to me in the rain. Obviously, uh, I mean, he, he grew up racing in it. And uh, I know that if it rains, then uh, we're going to be A-OK, -okay, you know. So um, that confidence level there and, and let me know what I needed to be looking for. Um, it was uh, Watkins Glen was was a really impressive performance, and and that uh, that surely got our momentum going through the middle For half sure. of the year. Yeah, and and it's been pretty thick and fast since then. Championship on the line at the weekend, so no pressure whatsoever. You, I presume that you'll think about that towards the end of the race, but you prepare for this as you would for any other race. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a two and a half hour race, and. You know, everyone has to pull their weight in there. We need to make sure that we don't get a, a silly violation on pit lane speed limit or anything like that. Um, you know, those last 15 minutes is when we can get everybody excited for a championship, but we need to get there first. And do you dare think about what happens if you win the championship and going forward into next year? I mean, how does... How does this a smile on it? Come on. What, what do you reckon? Chad, Chad can answer that one. Come on, Chad. Uh, I don't know. You know, we... Um I told Stephen before, you know, I've, I've been so blessed. I was able to get to the top level of stock car racing. And uh, we, we look over there at that paddock and, and uh, in the Tudor Series, and, and that's where we want to be. Um, th but I've said it time and time again, and, and people are probably tired of hearing me saying it, but the, the best way to take care of the future is to take care of the present. Oh, and so yes. we're here to win a championship, and, and that'll get us one step closer to that, I'm sure, in some way. So um, that's the goal, and... and you know, we, we just look forward to, to having careers driving race cars. We're both very blessed to be in this position and um, hope that continues. 
Right, Declan wants to say something. But I know, he, he, he's going absolutely yes, crazy he's, he's here. He's jumping up and down. Yeah. Whose headset are you going to take? He's taking mine. Right, he's going to take Stevens. okay. So we pass from one Keld to another, and Declan... And, and I will now punch him live on air for what he said earlier. <laughs> so we can't let these guys go, particularly him go, without talking about... Seeing him and pointing just work on the radio. radio. Him, yeah, that man here. Without letting Chad go, before we talk about... His Super Bowl, which happens this weekend after the Super Bowl of the uh, the ST finale, because Chad on Friday has to go straight to the paperclip for the for the NASCAR All American, basically their Super Bowl, which is a hundred cars, not all at once on the track. Before you get too excited, <laughs> no, that would be fantastic. Yeah, no, be <laughs> so that'd be putting like, like a whole load of M and M's, a full pack of M and M's in a soup bowl, and just swinging them round. <laughs> Absolutely. See which one pops out first. So yeah. basically, twenty-five grand on the line for the winner. So it's a big, the regional, big regional event. Well, it's, it's the it's the All American Series biggest event of the year, and Chad's running. So this is a big weekend for the for the boy, and he's had him in a short track car as well this this year. Oh really? Yes. Oh, I'd love to do that as well. <laughs> I, two things that I'd like to tick off is doing um, sprint car, mm-hmm. drive a sprint car, and do some short track stuff. That's the that's two things. He's, he's got three cars. <laughs> and then we've got to get him to somewhere like... Can you imagine what he would be like in Knock Hill or somewhere like that? I've seen videos. You've seen video. <laughs> in the right, was it, could you see through the mist? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, oh, well, well t- tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that, then. I mean, th- that is effectively the, the playoffs, the, the, the Super Bowl, if you will, the FA Cup final um, for, for your type of racing, is it? Yeah, it is. Well, for our, our you know, the Wheel and All-American Series and, and what NASCAR puts on there, um, our late-mile stock cars, you know, the, the biggest event of the year is, is up here in Martinsville um, this weekend. I'm not so sure we're going to get it done because there seems to be some kind of hurricane out there on the coast, and, and I live on the beach, so i got to be thinking about that. But... Um, you know, it's it's something you prepare for all year. Um, I've ran a short track team and, and owned cars, and, and I got to do quite a bit of driving myself this year uh, to have some fun. And, and this is the, the biggest event of the year. There's another couple of big ones coming up here uh, postseason, but it's... Uh, With it's 100 cars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, They'll start 38 or 40, I think. Right. But, I mean, do you have a chance of taking the big prize? I, you, you really never know. If, if you're there at the end, you do. Right. Um, I mean, we, we've literally had cars go there and, and not even have a chance, been way off and, and not make the field. And uh, we finished second last year. So, it's um, it, it, you really don't know what you're going to get. They'll send some of the best guys home there. So, um, I'm just uh, we just need to get the car in the field and, and run all the laps. And I think we'll be fine if we do that. And that's a tough track as well to get it, it set up. You've got to get it right pretty straight on. Uh, final word from you, Stephen. <laughs> Did you enjoy driving the short track car? What was it like? Oh, it was funny as hell. You know, we decided <laughs> at 11 o'clock at night that that was a good idea. And uh, can't imagine how that came about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk about that later. And uh, you know, we ended up last minute getting getting the deal together. And uh, you know, Chad was trying to terrify me on how bad the car was going to be. It wasn't going to turn. It wasn't going to break. Everything. And uh, I actually quite enjoyed it. I had a spotter called Jimmy that I could not understand one word he was saying. <laughs> it's I all right, he couldn't understand <laughs> you either. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't see out the mirrors or anything. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I was having a great job. I was moving up four or five spots, and then they started wrecking in front of me, and I, uh, I saw dollar signs, so I was trying to get out of the way as much as possible. Tell him about the mirrors. You don't worry about the mirrors. What's behind you isn't important. Isn't that right? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I've never seen a stock car with, uh, or a race car with side mirrors until I got an ST car. <laughs> yeah, um. Guys, wish you all the best. You've given us 
you and your competitors in the ST field have given us fantastic entertainment this year. Clearly, you're close to the collective's heart. Stephen, obviously, you came up through the, the collective, and we, yep. love, we love your story. Thanks, man. Chad, you've made a lot of friends on uh, Midweek Motorsport and Radio Le Mans and IMSA Radio through the, the, the last couple of years that we've been talking to you. We wish you all the best for the weekend. Most of all, enjoy it. Even more importantly, be safe. Right. And we'll be talking about you at the weekend. Thanks a lot, John. Cheers, Thanks guys. So Thank you. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport Series 10, episode 38. It's half time. Midweek Motorsport. There's still another hour of this nonsense. So, still to come in hour two, a bit more of Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com. Uh, Shea Adam is here. We're live at Atlanta. The lights, the equipatized prototype lights are out on the circuit at the moment. And Kenton Cook, sometime contributor and uh, play-by-play stroke uh, colour commentator, is uh, leading the field at the moment on a 121.2 ahead of Matt McMurray and Robert Alonso. That's the three championship contenders right there. More of your tweets, please, to at Specutainment or at Radio Le Mans as we'll be talking the ramifications of Formula One versus WEC in the second hour and 1,000 horsepower. How many times we'll be seeing that in 2016? Probably more than you'd even want us to. That's all still to come in the second hour of Midweek Motorsport. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Declan Brennan rejoins us, and Graham Goodwin uh, is, has been on the line uh, listening in, editor of dailysportscar.com. Just a quick word about Continental Tyres, Graham, uh, mm. if, if you would. I, I've been thoroughly impressed with it this year. Jeremy Shaw and I have been doing the play-by-play, obviously, and I can't remember a dull race. Uh, we've had far fewer full-course cautions this year, which means, uh, obviously, more racing, uh, more green flag racing laps, and it's rapidly established itself in the last season and a half, two seasons, as a genuine stepping stone into full-time endurance racing in the big leagues. Uh, I agree entirely. I actually uh, spent one of my very rare periods uh, trackside at Cota uh, watching the early part of the race. I think it's much the better for actually having slightly smaller grids this year. Um, uh, Rather less than some of the nonsense we've seen in the middle of the order in recent years, and rather more racing. And uh, it's it's, it's got all, all that anybody really wants, hasn't it? It's got pace, it's got some real talent in there, but it's got variety. And, uh, yeah, absolutely, it's a race that you would want to go and watch now rather than using it to go and get a burger and then watching the highlights uh, on YouTube the, the, the night after. It's definitely no, it's, now, it's a very valid part of the package. Uh, Declan Brennan, obviously you're involved with CJ Wilson and the race team there. Um, nervous times for the team this weekend but from a from a business point of view and from a PR point of view how have you seen the Continental Tyres uh, series change over the last couple of seasons or so uh, that's a great question uh, the the channel oh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, brutally honest and a bit parochial and, and, and uh, but you and and, and lovely f- and, and probably t- I'm going to suck up to you a little bit saying it's helped you guys coming along has definitely helped the online uh, the live IMSA app, the IMSA app is brilliant, enormously. It's it's magnificent. That's helped. It's brought a real vitality uh, uh, to, to to the broadcasts. But the racing, uh, it's just. I think it's just a case of. I, I need to pick up on what Graham said because I think he's absolutely right. The ST field is not necessarily that much smaller, but what is has shrunk a little bit. Uh, is the GS field? It's probably a little too small in terms of. A, 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 but three or four more cars would be good. But what it has lost 
arguably are some of the guys at the lower end of the field who were getting in the way, mm-hmm. which means he's probably right that the package is overall is better. But it's grown because uh, for the simple reasons that the racing is very good. And what they've done is they've absolutely done... Uh, uh, people always moan. I, I've never understood why about adjustments of performance and balance of performance. They they got ahead of things last year when it looked like the Cayman was going to destroy the series. And we thought literally it was going to be a one-make championship this year. It was just going to be 26 Caymans <laughs> and, uh, in ST. And look, look what's happened. We have a, a battle now between... They, they, I think they've absolutely nailed the, 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 the performance issues. And it's, it's given us a very, very compact, really exciting but, championship. Uh, but at the front of the field as well, you know, it, is, it warms my heart. And, and, you know, I... There are issues with any balance of performance. I have less problems with balance of performance if it's done transparently than I do with waivers that nobody knows knows about. I, I, I'm going to stick my head over the parapet with that one. That's a uh, that's a conversation for another time. But the variety that we've had at the front of the field with a Porsche Cup car, effectively, against a works Camaro, and it is a works Camaro, let's make no doubt about it, against a brand new in-development Shelby 350, which yeah. is effectively a works car as yeah. well, because Multimatic and Ford are so inextricably linked, against a 7-litre and 5-litre and for those two, um, Porsche with the flat 6, those two V8s, then you've got the V6 Nissan, which screams as if its very life is being threatened and, every, and every goes year. so fast in a straight line it should be a Bonneville yes it, exactly it's it's, it's uh, that variety that we've seen battling at the front of the field that makes things interesting for me that you've got multi-class racing and one of the things that the smaller GS field has done is meant that we haven't split the fields off into two separate races as much as was originally planned. And somewhere like Lime Rock, that might have seemed as a stupid idea, but I think that added to the race. Well, it did. I did. But I will say, and back to your point about the commercial side, and this is the point that might get lost by the fan who is just watching live online or watching on YouTube or, or whatever, where he's just enjoying fabulous racing. Opportunities like that where we get a chance and we be in the ST field and CJ Wilson racing in the ST field at the moment to be to to, to race by ourselves yes uh, are few and far between and are really important to us yeah. and especially in a market like like New York yeah. effectively like well like the northeast and there so I would say from a commercial point of view it's tough generally you've got to work harder you've got to really really be smarter with everything you do you've got to make your communication work uh, because we're still basically the track sweepers, mm-hmm. for, you know, to some extent. We're the support act. We're the act that you're, if you, if you go and see Deep Purple in concert, oh, God, show me. No, hang on. If you go and see Imagine Dragons in concert, you're sitting there looking at your watch when the act that comes on before saying, when is this, this lot going to be finished? And back to what Graham said, people going to have a burger. Yeah. We, we'll always be that. Uh, but what what I think the series needs to find occasionally will be the opportunity where we get the chance to have a... Sh- like, uh, the Continental Tire Showcase event, as it was uh, a couple of years ago at Lime Rock, where, where Continental Tire Series was the main event. Yes. And I love that. And I would love to see uh, see more opportunities yes. for that. And what I will say for next year uh, is, just on the, on the GS side, uh, you can add... I know you've seen the list, but uh, I'm now led to believe that there could be as many as... Double-digit GT4 Caymans. What for next year? For next year. So basically, everything that Visac is building at the moment has got sent this to America. There immediately. will certainly be for the GT4 race car. There will certainly be 
multiple. Yeah, now, uh, look, you're a mate of ours, so we're not going to put you on the spot, but you did say something about for the moment in ST. Well, yeah, we, we still are so making a decision. We, we're still making our decision. We have to wait till we win the championship. He said positively. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to sit there. And before the champagne is fully soaked in and begin to really stink, yeah. we'll, be thi- we'll be sitting there thinking, and we'll nail CJ down. Not literally. That, oh, that would be interesting. And it probably detrimental to his career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we'd say, right, mister, what are we doing next year? And, and you will be the first to know. Okay. Uh, let's go. Thanks, Dex. Uh, thanks for bringing the guys in. Uh, Midweek Motorsports Series Ten, Episode Thirty Eight. Graham Goodwin uh, is with us, listening uh, to that. I want to go back to the the World Championship for a moment. All good news, I think. By the way, there um, we've sport, spoken about the Continental Ties Sports Cars uh, Challenge in the last few weeks, just saying how good um, it, it is and, and how next year is looking great with the extra cars. I still want somebody to have that Buick in the championship uh, next year. Uh, Graham, um, news from the FIA and the ACO about LMP1. Mm. The, the, uh, we will be seeing 1,000 horsepower a lot more next season, but not necessarily for the right reasons for, as far as the purists in us uh, and, and add Alex Verts to that list. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it warrants a repeat about the wording in their statement, which basically says that um, the World Motorsports Council has approved the Endurance Commission's proposal to limit the releasable power for energy recovery systems in LMP1 cars on safety grounds to, and I quote, avoid the possibility of deployment of an instantaneous total power engine plus hybrid of over a 1,000 horsepower. Now, what we don't know, John is whether or not that is standalone or whether or not that is, is going to be encompassed in a, in, in a more restrictive set of technical regulations. So I'm going to kind of hold my fire on it. I, you know, I, I think I'd refer back to what both you and I said at Le Mans this year, which is that we might well be seeing the kind of um, the, uh, the, the top of the tree, if you like, in terms of uh, ultimate performance of the cars this year and that they inevitably would be reeled in. That, I think, we do expect. We expect that to be done, if uh, no other reason, by reeling in the level of energy the cars have actually got available, through, for instance, the fuel for the um, exactly. internal combustion engines. But I think um, it's interesting what Alex Vertz has said. He says, it does sound cool that you have to limit LMP1 cars to 1,000 <laughs> horsepower. Oh, I but love Alex Vertz. <laughs> but he's, he's tweeted, but this sounds like a fun police attack, which I think is... Uh, <laughs> That's what he tweeted earlier on today. That's it's, great. it's also it's also arbitrary as well because uh, so are they saying that so you can't have simultaneous discharge at a thousand horsepower, uh, so we can't have a so are they saying that nine hundred and fifty horsepower worth of simultaneous discharge isn't dangerous? Either? No, that's you know, fine. That's yeah, fine. Nine hundred ninety nine is fine. That's just arbitrary nonsense, and he's absolutely right. It's but, it's. But what did we say earlier on in the year, dear listener? We said go to Le Mans. And see the cars in their unfettered form because you will never see them this powerful, this fast, this spectacular again. I, I, and, and, oh. and do you know what? And I'm going to say this now, and there'll be a lot of people that disagree with me when I say that. I only wish that Nissan had got themselves together and had the 1,800 or 2,000 horsepower that their car was was slated to have to show what can be done when you think out of the box because they won't have the opportunity to do that again and that right there might be the death knell for Nissan's LMP1 program well 
That's exactly what I was going to say. This affects Nissan more than anyone else because that's what they were building up to. Yes. I I would say it affects every single future fan because when I was a kid, my mind was blown by Group B rally cars when they went uh, rally cross, uh, Mm -hmm. when they went to rally cross, and they, uh, they basically took the lid off what they could do and there were home-built Porsches with 1,100 horsepower that went off the line faster than, an, uh, than a, uh, an NHR drag racer. And it captured my imagination in a way that, that all of these regulations are doing is, is, is literally what it's doing is it's, uh, it's, it's uh, releasing people's imagination. It's not capturing it at all. No, it's, it's, setting, it's not even setting it free. <laughs> it's not even it's chasing after just, it. Just it's, go sit it's, in that corner. It's just... It's not even chasing people's imagination. How it's not threatening them at all. When you can buy a road car with 800 horsepower or 700, like a Dodge Hellcat with a whatever it is, you know, you have to have race cars, whatever it's called, you have to have race cars that are going to blow people away, that are going to inspire the 10-year-old in you. And not 900 I'm, horsepower, I'm sorry, doesn't do it. I had a conversation with Johnny Molem uh, and Johnny uh, O'Connell, actually, at lunch at Marion's talking about Formula E. And I'm not having a pop with Formula E here. I was talking about the insistence that Elon Musk of Tesla fame uh, refuses to get involved with motorsport because, and I quote, motorsport isn't as as advanced with the systems that, uh, that we use as we already have. That is a terrible, terrible comment on the state of motorsport. And when he's got cars that accelerate from 0 to 60 in less than a nanosecond or whatever it is, 2.4 seconds, when he's got cars that would have, with four people up all on the internet with the aircon on and streaming Pandora, would have won every Formula E race this, this year because they are so much quicker than what's out there. When you're talking about the hybrid energy and efficiency that those cars are putting out from their commercially available battery packs, for us not to be able to compete with that in the, in the world of motorsport would be like saying... Um, putting it in internal combustion terms would be to say let's send everybody out with a single cylinder engine that produces um, 20 horsepower but why do we have to compete and this is hear me out here the NFL is men running at each other and hitting each other as hard as they can they just happen to have helmets on for safety yes it's the biggest sport in the world mm-hmm. it's there's nothing modern or Technologically advanced about it. It's, it's the biggest. Well, so, well, it's, a, it's the biggest sport in the states. Right. Uh, You've lived here too it's, long. It's <laughs> the danger. Uh, you know, it's it's taken over from where jousting was because people were dying. You know, but it's it's, <laughs> it's there's no technology involved. Why does motorsport have to? And this is something I talked about two weeks ago when we talked about why does F1 feel that it has to be on the cusp for no apparent reason with no technology transfer, the cusp of the technology? Why doesn't it just do something unrefined, mm-hmm. meaty, fantastic? Well, in that same in that same release that we're talking to Graham about now, um, the exhaust dump valve, the wastegate valve, has to be for the wastegate uh, 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 only and uh, for their gases to make the cars sound better. So, law of unintended consequences, you put all this technology in, you try and make the cars more efficient, drive hybrid technology, it makes the cars sound different, so therefore we've got to put it back the way it was. Thank goodness the FIA don't run the NHRA. Mm. Well, that's all I'll say. Formula One. Greg Goodwin is still on the the line. Um, uh, Yeah, John, there's several points in that that World Motorsport Council document. You've just mentioned one of them. I got bored halfway through some of the sentences. (laughs) It's the the inveterate meddling 
that you know Dex is right. I mean, jousting was never the same after they mandated Shetland ponies. It really wasn't. <laughs> um, it's, it's, and licorice for lances. It, it, it is. Look, safety absolutely in this day and age has to be an imperative. However, the inveterate meddling with regulations has got to stop because yes. it is killing the sport root and branch. Uh, we, we are, well, I, you know, in the 15 years or so, a bit more than that now, that I've been involved in doing what I do, we have never, and I mean never ever, had a year that I couldn't legitimately describe as a transition year. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's utterly ridiculous. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with where we are now. I get it. They don't want a vertical development curve and they're looking to step in, knowing full well that the geniuses in those factory teams will already be reeling in the four seconds or so we know that the, the energy reduction is going to cost them, that they'll all be re- reeling that in and they're looking to just, if you like, second-guess them. There is a big... Uh, lesson i think here and i hope there's someone from the aco or from the wec is listening it's certainly a point i'll be making to them when we see them next week in japan which is follow the lead of very many other sophisticated areas of society and business which is if you're going to put out a blunt statement like this for pity's sake for the people whose job it is to explain it to the audience explain it to us first because yeah. the straight answer is that all you and i at the moment john have got to work on is two sentences in a press release. And we're going to have a week before we get FaceTime with the people who've actually suggested this. That's just wrong. That's just not the way you build an audience. Question here, Graham. Question here, Graham. Uh, Nissan, uh, I think this is a serious dent to their hopes of returning. It also, for me, um, it hurts Porsche more than anyone else because they're the one who probably got... So, so you and I, when we stood on the outside of the final corner at the Nurburgring, and when you were trackside at Quarter, seeing those Porsches accelerate in, laughing out and loud, other, yeah, and laughing literally. Oh Jeremy Shaw, uh, you and I in the booth at Quarter, watching the onboard breaking out into just uncontrollable giggles. That's gone, mate, uh, because only a thousand horsepower and all-wheel drive. I mean, I'm I'm smiling as I say this, but I'm kind. Uh, there's a little bit inside of me that's very, very sad because I don't want that to stop shit. Well, to put it in context, the Trans Am cars, the top class, they're 850 horsepower. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, so we're talking about not boosting over a 1,000, equivalency of a 1,000 horsepower. Well, Graham, there's the other thing then. There goes the 10 megajoule category now because there's no point. Well, not not necessarily, John, because it, it's Make the engine smaller. About- well, no, it's talking about deploying the power in one particular part of the track or one particular phase of the track. It's not to say that you couldn't have more uh, electrical energy for the whole lap. What it's saying is that you can't put it down in one gulp. That, that This is what I mean. It's exactly what I mean by I don't know, and that's wrong. I should know. I should, I should have had somebody tell me what it is they're aiming to do before they put it in. 16 words in a press release. It's a So what we need way. to see, effectively, is the working out in the margin Correct. and not just 42 well, at the actually, bottom, no. or in this what case, 1,000. What we need to see is the telling argument that went to the Insurance Commission that convinced them this was a good idea. That's what yeah. we need to see. And, you know, we're talking here about very clever people who produced an excellent rule book that's given us a fantastic season of racing so far. Yes. So what is it that those same well, people have come up with that has persuaded them to make the change? What question is this the answer yeah, to? What exactly? What part is broken? 
I think the answer is that they're trying to deal with what looks like it might very rapidly get to be a vertical development curve. I get it. I understand that part of it. That's what, you know what? Everything has to have an apex, have a peak. We'd never have the peak of Group C if they, in in 1981 or 1982, they decided, they oh, we see where this is going. You know what we need to do? We need to, you know, reduce the air, give them a far, far greater restriction on their turbo, or they can only have one turbo, or that, we, we'd never have had the halcyon days of sports cars that we all grow, that, you know, that I'm, blew I'm our just looking, I'm genuinely looking for a reason not to see this as an attack on the part of the sport that I love. I'm genuinely looking for a reason. But the ludicrous uh, decision... But it's come from calendar, within our part of the sport. It's come from that, the endurance That's the point. Condition. And that's the point I'm making, is that, that, that there is not the excuse of hiding behind me. There's people within the FIA that just hate the fact you're getting Grim. close to Formula 1. It's not that, John. You're absolutely right. Here's an interesting. I, I, I subscribe. The only thing I subscribe to in the UK magazine-wise is Auto Express, and the the guys who work there have my um, absolute respect. They produce a fantastic Wilkley automotive magazine. Um, there's a little bit of sport in there, and there's just enough for, for me to keep abreast. But the automotive side is brilliant. Last week there was a full-page article in there, which wasn't an article and not an advertising feature about how quickly battery technology for on-road hybrid cars has come on in the last 18 months, being driven by Porsche and their motorsport and other motorsport applications. And Bosch have got on the bandwagon, and the the amount of efficiency gains that have been made are... That's a vertical development curve, Graham, and that's coming from motorsport. You stop that, you stop the people like Porsche wanting to to invest in that expensive technology and then we don't get the benefits for the nissan leafs about to double its range the tesla's already over 350 miles uh, audi's new each fully tron car is i mean the benchmark is 350 miles now if you can't get 350 miles out of the batteries you're not in the game if you're a prestige e uh e uh technology uh, builder thank you there you go uh, and and, and th- all this does for me is just you know, it it takes them off, it takes them off at the knees. It stops the, the 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 interest. The the marketing man in me sees this as this is also just sort of window dressing. It's variable window dressing. What, is it, it's, what has it achieved? Ex? It's it's just it's a something. It's it's something they could be seen to have said with a number attached to it. Oh, look what we're doing. We're stopping to doing this. I agree. At this. And I it's agree. Like, that is, it doesn't actually solve anything. Why, yeah, well, a, like, as you said, why a thousand? Why not twelve hundred? Yeah. Why not fifteen hundred? Yeah. John, why not eight hundred? Why we, not five hundred? Shay already said Trans Am cars with eight hundred and fifty brake horsepower, Formula Drift. All what the kind time. of what kind of powers we got? Formula uh, Drift. Power. Tyler McQuarrie will tell you he's got fifteen hundred or so. Uh, right, there you go. And Pikes in terms of the NOS at the top of the hill, in terms of the inherent safety of the platform for those formulas, okay, and for that matter, in many instances, the uh, the arenas on which they are displayed and competed with. Is there even a remote comparison on safety with an LMP no. one car, class no. one track? No, no. Well, no. the no. amount of money spent to develop the cars—it's pennies compared to the LMP one project. They, they waste more down the corporate back of the corporate sofa. Uh, I'm going to move on. Um, we've got another guest here, which I'll bring in uh, right now, or at least I, I'm going to put the headphones on now. And when I say I, I mean she, of course, because J Mo, Johnny Morlam, 
has joined us. Welcome to Midweek Motorsport. See, it's far Ooh, too these long. These headphones smell really nice now. That's because they've been on chair. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Normally, I, normally I get John's. There we go. <laughs> Let's not even go there. Welcome to Midweek Motorsport. Sometimes since Hello. we've had you far too long. It actually, is, yeah. back in the uh, the Bar One Motorsport uh, machine this weekend for the ten hours here. Looking forward to it. I am actually. I, it's my. F- I worked it out the other night. I, w- I came over. I was fortunate enough to be sat next to Andy Prio on the flight over here, and um, we were chatting about all things uh, motorsport and other. And I was w- working it out. It's my fifteenth petite, <laughs> and I thought that makes me feel really old. So you've and only missed one as well. I've only missed one. Yeah, yeah. same as me. Two thousand and ten. I missed. Which one did you miss? I missed uh, the last DLMS one because I was. It was a clash with Fuji. What, 13? Yeah. 14. 14. 14. Yeah, I was here oh, last 13. year. 13. Yeah. 13. Right. 13. 13. 13. Yeah, 13. I was here last yeah 2013. Year. Yeah. So, uh, no, I'm lo- I, I, you know me. I'm absolute lover of all American racing, mm. in particular sports cars. I, I recognize that there are always a, a sort of peaks and troughs in terms of the, the what's popular with sports car racing. Right now you have to say probably the World Endurance Championship has got the, the, the pinnacle of most of what's going on in terms of technology and maybe arguably in terms of drivers potentially as opposed to what the American Le Mans series was doing in the mid-2000s. But, but the American Le Mans series was the de facto World Championship was, at the time. absolutely, absolutely. And so that shifted slightly. But I have to say that racing in America is still without a shadow of a doubt the most fun you can have in a race car just because of the enjoyment factor and also the fact that the fans are so enthusiastic. The the circuits are different, no doubt. They are what a lot of people would call European circuits. Sadly, we don't have tracks like Road Atlanta back in, in Europe anymore. I love the way you said different. Yes. <laughs> there are, are consequences are very, from it. They are mistakes. very, very different. I, I, I'm going to sound listen. like a right old fart now, but I think that personally tracks have been completely neutered most of the tracks in and, and mostly because of Formula 1 because they need to be at those kind of speeds without a shadow of a doubt and the speeds to be fair I mean Le Mans is one of the few that hasn't but obviously we've had some huge tragic consequences recently and quite rightly they're responding to those mm-hmm. by making Le Mans an awful lot safer perfect example though we were at Circuit of the Americas for the last round of this the WEC uh, Eduardo held firm to the track limits and threw out a lot of penalties IMSA felt they couldn't because they felt it was too difficult to fairly um, enforced track limits. Yeah. We had two very different looking races. We were talking about Spa over lunch uh, earlier on, which, you know, in anything except Formula One is barely a challenge anymore. And I find I find that sad. It It's not that the challenge to get the lap time out of it is still there. The difference is that when you're coming into a corner and you know that if you make a mistake, you know, as you be, uh, when you're an experienced driver, you know where the limits of the car are. So you're going into a corner exploring those limits, but you kind of know where they are. So you're going up to them but try not to step beyond them. If you know that the consequence of stepping beyond them is that you end up in a situation where the team have got no car left, potentially, to do the race, there's a massive consequence to that. If you step beyond them and think, oh, sod it, I've made a mistake here, I'm just going to run off the edge of the track, get probably gain no advantage, probably lose, maybe lose four, five tenths, six yeah. tenths, a Dirty second, your tires up whatever, for your corner. Yeah, yeah. come back on, think, right, I bought that lap, I've overdone it. And then the next lap around, you can try it again. And I just don't think... I don't want people going out there and crashing left, right and centre, but I think that means that you race with a lot less regard for the limits of where your car is if you know that that it's not going to bite you. Uh, I am not, by any stretch of the imagination, a racing driver. I do get allowed to drive racing cars once in a while. I was always taught to get up to the limit by starting and then going a bit further, going a bit further. Now we see people, it seems to me, so many times, go way over the limit and then trying to get back to the optimum. That can't be right. 
Well, Jill Villeneuve used to do it that way, even in the old days. One so spin at every I, corner. I, I, exactly. And I think, <laughs> I think when you're a top-level driver, you know, the top, top drivers go out there. It makes no difference to them. I think what we're seeing, we discussed it a little bit when you were talking about the GT3 and how you'd hopped in a car and got reasonably close to somebody's professional time very quickly. And I think we were talking about how, how easy some of these GT4, GT3 cars are to drive now with ABS, traction control systems on the car. Admittedly, here, for example, in the GTD and LMPC, or PC, excuse me, uh, c category, there are no traction control, there, there is no ABS, so that's kind of a moot point there. But it means that the car is a lot easier to drive. Therefore, an amateur driver, a good amateur driver, can get a lot closer to a professional than he would have done in the days when the cars were a lot more difficult to drive. And that's at every level, even in like Formula that. 1. Yeah. You get a, uh, you know, a driver out of Formula 3, straight into Formula 1 car, he can then lap, if he's talented, within half a second after a day's testing of a really good time, if not quicker. Etten Senna's first ever test in a Williams at Donington he was about a second and a half to two seconds off even at and Senna in his first test because the cars were harder to drive now going back to what we were saying but about I the circuits to be like that. but going back to the circuits if the gentleman driver knows that the chances are that to get a quick lap he's going to have to probably be a little bit more inconsistent he's going to make more errors to get a quick lap but he knows he can run off the track left right and centre he's also going to find it easier to do the lap time a professional driver will do whereas a professional will do it without making that mistake the gentleman yeah. gets away with it yeah. and that then also allows him to narrow that gap between the amateur and the professional which is the world we're living in John like it or not mm. the gold silver bronze platinum I'm not going to bring that argument up here but that has basically meant that you've got a lot more amateur drivers out there and some of them extremely good amateur drivers driving with the professional drivers as, as opposed to say 10 years ago uh, my uh, driver rankings just come in apparently I'm solder level <laughs> Um, Graham Goodwin is uh, is on the line from Delhi Sports Car. It's it's uh, perfect that we've got Johnny here and he's driving a PC car uh, this weekend, Graham, because we're hearing news courtesy of Marshall Pruitt, who is on a flight at the moment, which is why we can't have him on the show, um, of uh, at least the short term um, the, the short term answer to the prototype challenge, not problem, but certainly to that category, Graham. Uh, yeah, and good evening, JMO. Great news to hear that he was actually be on the list with you guys out there. I just wish he was out there with you. Thanks, Graham. Um, Appreciate yeah, that. <laughs> Marshall's been uh, a busy boy. I, I, anybody that actually read the pages, pages of racer.com and copied across to us at DSC back in July will will be aware of basically the direction we're, we're, we're aiming at with this. But uh, it's it's all around the, the age, if you like, of the FLM09. Uh, 2009 car, of course. IMSA looking to replace it after the 2016 season. At least one more year of use as part of an extension is what Marshall's uh, getting uh, with this. And that we seem to be heading in the direction, John, of something that I know you've talked about before. And I'd be interested to hear what Johnny's got to say about this, which is, in effect, a P2 Lite concept for 2018. So, in other words, they clearly were not impressed by, I thought, the kind of rather ill-founded P3 test that we saw at... Uh, Watkins Glen, they're not going to give, by the look of it, that a second punt. But it looks to to be that we're going to be looking at some kind of. Uh, it sounds a derogatory comment, but dumbed down P2 car. Uh, a super a cost cap P2. Super cost um, cap. That's a, that's a much better way of doing it, looking at it. But uh, it's an interesting concept. Uh, you know that this is back and to a, back. And a one-year steer of execution, Grim, for the current car, albeit with some additional electronic Correct. aids for the gentleman driver. And potentially a little bit more power as well. I mean, it's it's odd, isn't it, John? To be talking about this just a week after we were talking about the potential for P2 Pro uh, elsewhere. That's you yes. know that that basic P2 platform. You know, there's potential there for it to move in both directions from the baseline that we're looking at for 2017. 
it's an interesting concept, Johnny. The the, the FLM09 is is now a, a design of car that's long in the tooth, but it's still a proper racing car. It was designed at the time as a P1 car, and it's carbon. It's got a lot of interesting bits and pieces on. The power plant at the back has, has been very reliable over the years. The future for that class has been extended one extra year. I mean, what is it like as a racing car? Is it still a relevant racing car? That's a very good question. I mean, any racing car out there is relevant, really. Uh, and I think that if you were to drive the GTD, talk to Andy Prio about driving the GTD car. Yeah. And, and you know, he'll tell you what, I'm not going to tell you what he's going to say. But, and, and obviously, if he's on air, he'll be diplomatic. But at the end of the day, you could say that that is harder to drive in terms of a, r- a thoroughbred race car than, a, than a, the PC car. The PC car has got downforce. It's got a reasonable amount of power. It's got a lot of torque. The Continental tyres are actually quite good in the sense of they take a long time to switch on, um, but they're actually quite consistent. Um, obviously, it's a spec tyre for that particular class, so that lends itself also to some pretty good racing. Um, interesting you should mention the LMP3. I had the pleasure of driving the Ligier LMP3 at Magni Cor uh, last week, I think it was, and um, the feel of it is not that dissimilar to a prototype challenge car. It feels, it's got, uh, I think it's got more downforce, um, but it feels very similar in the throttle application. It feels very similar in the feedback through the steering. Um, uh, and I think that perhaps, and it's too late now, but I think that taking a Ginetta uh, LMP3, which with the best will in the world is still in a, a big development, development process, stage. and throwing it at Watkins Glen of all places, <laughs> and, and having drivers without just hop, a setup, without a setup, and having drivers just hop in it, and drive it around. I guarantee you, if you did that with any car, if you did that with an LMP1 Audi, took it and put no setup on it, and then threw drivers in for eight, ten laps around somewhere like Watkins Glen, they'd struggle to get within decent lap times of what they should be doing. So I think it was a, it was a strange way to go about it. Um, I think it's it's a, it's a tricky one because you want the technology to be there. The Ligier looks really good. It looks like an LMP2 car. Yeah. I think you do need, there is a definite niche in America especially for that car, a prototype car for gentleman drivers. I think if you want them to be able to go out there and really enjoy it, you do need to give them some assistance like you were mentioning with the uh, traction control in particular. One little bugbear I've got is something, even just something as simple as having a a predicted lap time on your dash. You can't have that in Prototype Challenge, and yet that single thing for a professional driver, let alone an amateur driver, is probably the biggest single teaching tool you can have where you can go through a corner, change something about the way you've driven that corner, and look and see on the dash immediately whether you've gained two or three tenths or lost two or three tenths. So, you know, that's something that all cars have. Every car I've ever driven, LMP1, GT2, whatever, has got that. The prototype challenge car doesn't have that, and that is something that's very important. But I, I do think that this is, you can't compare the European Le Mans series or WEC to what's happening out the window here at the moment. It's totally different. European different horses, series, different courses. European Le Mans series has demonstrated that LMP2s can carry, carry it on their own. They're doing a great job of it. The, the WEC is now what the American Le Mans series was a few years ago. It's got the technology at the top end and some fantastic racing all the way down through the classes. So I think America just needs to think a bit differently and come up with some idea. And I don't believe doing an LMP2 light is actually going to... Uh, whatever they decide to go with, it will work, but it all depends on how, ex- how expensive they are to buy and how expensive they are to run. And that's going to be the difficulty. And I just think that maybe they're a bit hasty with the P3 to, to rule out the P3, because that will be in existence. Correct. And it will be cost-capped. You've got economies of scale. Exactly. And it's there for people to use. And also you can have slightly different looking cars. Yeah, rather than just having one car that looks the same. Before I let you go, and we get back to some more news, and we've got some motorcycle news with Nick coming up before the end of the show tonight, um, 
we haven't seen enough of you recently, um, either so so socially or in, in business out on the circuit. What have you been doing and what plans have you got that you can let us into for 2016? Because you're not ready to, uh, to hang up the helmet and stop driving yet, are you? No, no. The only downside to getting as old as I am is that people keep asking you that question. But no, I'm definitely not. I'm going to carry on as long as I can. I always, tell, I always tell people the story. I was at Goodwood many, many years ago and I was out in a Porsche uh, with someone um, at Lord March's behest, and uh, I came across a Mini going around the first two corners at Goodwood. I can't, I can't remember what they're called, but they're fast. And there was this Mini, old Mini, being driven absolutely beautifully in this beautiful drift. And I thought, oh, that looks quite good. And I went past, didn't think anything of it, came in the pits. The Mini pulled in behind me, and uh, Sterling Moss got out. And <laughs> I thought at that point, I can't remember what age he would have been. This is quite a long time ago. It's about 15 years ago. But he got out, and I thought, there you go. There's someone who still got it at that age, yep. who's still loving that feeling of driving a car on the limit doesn't matter how quickly or slowly you're going and i've decided that i don't i will continue driving until the day i drop i may not get paid for it <laughs> if i get too slow <laughs> like i am now but i will continue driving and i've got a few big things in the pipeline actually to sort of come back next year doing some quite good pro-am stuff which is, is is quite exciting which i'll tell you about at a later date and make sure you and do one thing i can tell you we're doing the abu dhabi 12 hours so that's going to be uh, that's going to be quite in a, in, uh, in a gt3 so oh, uh, really? it's going to be quite exciting in a ferrari Excellent. So, yeah. uh, all good news, Johnny. Thanks, it's been mate. far too long. Yeah, it's really good to see you. Uh, we'll shake hands and say thank you very much. Thank Have you. a great weekend and be safe. Thank you very much. Thank you. Johnny Morlam joining us uh, on Midweek Motorsport Bar 1 uh, this weekend for the 10 hours here at Road Atlanta. Graham Goodwin still on the line. Uh, and uh, first of all, good to hear uh, that uh, Johnny's got a drive and is still wanting to oh, do yeah. Uh, more driving in the future. He, his lap times are. St I mean, right, he's go? got the fire in his belly, John. I mean, look. Right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell Rodley. you now. Go on, Sheer. No, he was on Paul at Daytona. He Don't was, forget. I was yeah. just going to say he was on Paul at Daytona, and he's. 20-odd-year-old teammate couldn't get within six-tenths of him. Well, I mean, Johnny, so, you know, Johnny has a birthday with uh, with Mrs. DSC editor. Uh, and he's almost a decade younger than uh, my good lady wife. And I can tell you that she's Shh, still got a, uh, she's still a spring in a step. And Johnny uh, has got many, many more laps left in him. And absolutely... I agree. Right, I'm going to do a, a few bits and pieces from Twitter before we move on. Uh, Eric Herbert says, late apology for absence. Had to bring the girlfriend to the salon. It sounds like a, a bunch of F1V6s in there. Hashtag hair dryers. No, no, Eric, come on. Uh, Dave Alcock says, regarding the calendar, uh, Pierre, Fion and Gerard Nouveau should be proud just a couple of years uh, into the WEC. And is Formula One already running scared? Hmm? Uh, take a look at what the British Grand Prix actually clashes with, says Stuart Hart. Uh, British Grand Prix at Silverstone, men's final at Wimbledon, and the Euro 2016 uh, UEFA Cup final. So once again, Silverstone will be, uh, will be battling for an audience. Hmm. Very interesting, that. Uh, seeing as you mentioned it, I'll bring up the last race meeting of the year is at Knock Hill this Sunday, says Rotation. As we mentioned, Knock Hill a little bit uh, earlier on. Um, surefire solution to the issue with Quarter, uh, not necessarily their fault. Has anyone ever not loved Sebring? Uh, yes, but unfortunately, I just can't. I, I still wake up nights in a 
cold sweat thinking about the joint meeting we had there. Oh, that was awful. I, I still haven't seen a proper set of results with everybody on it. <laughs> yeah, that's because we're still working on it in the graphics <laughs> truck. <laughs> Just, uh, given Force India's complaint against Formula One, uh, wouldn't them taking a pay driver for Hulk at Baku uh, be poetic? If you didn't hear earlier on, uh, Force India and Sauber uh, are taking the... Uh, are taking Formula One effectively, um, uh, the FIA and form to the European Court, uh, citing uh, unfair practices with the way that the uh, money is uh, being thrown out. Uh, was hoping to see the World Motorsports Council uh, mandate a minimum of a thousand horsepower in Formula One. Can they send the lost P1 HP? Horsepower to Formula One, says Marshall Pruitt. He must be listening somewhere. Is he on a plane listening? I think he is. That's very cool. MP, if you're listening. Hello, Marshall. Hey, that's good stuff, mate. Can't wait to see you here. Uh, and we've got a couple of things that Marshall Pruitt is working on that uh, we might be able to break for you um, at the weekend as well. Um, Alex Brown says, again, about the 1,000 horsepower. Surely cars... Time attack cars have a thousand horsepower plus around Cadwell and Mallory. Um, I went to test a thousand, uh, in fact, eleven hundred and fifty horsepower uh, short wheelbase Subaru at uh, at Snet um, a couple of years ago. Actually, five years ago. Doesn't time fly? Um, so yes, good point, well made. When you put a limit on performances, where rabbit? Hello, where? Uh, you take away the excitement out of the technology for the fan, and that Graham is probably. The biggest point to take away from that, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it comes down, John, to something quite simple, which is I want to see the reason why this was deemed necessary in the way in which it's been done. That's it. They, they could very well come out with a well-formed point of view in a sentence that will persuade me in a nanosecond, which begs the question, in which case, why haven't they done it already? Yeah, uh, Jesse says, hold the presses. Opportunity knocking here. Propulsion systems measured not in HP, but torque. Ooh. <laughs> Somebody reads between the lines. Very good. So now can we hold a full thousand horsepower for longer? So worse acceleration, but more push through the drag at high speed, says Amy Tyson. Amy, spot on. And that's well, what will yep. happen, of course. Yep, absolutely. It'll be all down to aero now. Yeah. Uh, think about this, the green GT rated 2,000 pounds of torque at 800 horsepower. Why not go at 5,000 horsepower at 5,000 uh, feet of torque rather at 999 HP? Yes. <laughs> Just think about that. Uh, can you imagine trying to explain this power delivery rule to newcomers in the sport, says <laughs> Dave Alcock? Dave, no. I can't. Sorry, I was just having a quiet weep to myself, John, because it's going to be my job, isn't it? It's, it's going to be our job, yes. Mike Headland agreeing completely with what Johnny Morlam and we've been saying here. Mike, good to know that you're listening. Good luck this weekend, my man, uh, and I uh, hope everything goes well for you. Uh, keep, the, uh, keep the points coming in at Spec Entertainment. Uh, and uh, we've got, what, some quarter of an hour uh, still to go. There was something else that I wanted to bring up with you, Graham, and I can't uh, remember it at all. What else is going on in the sports car world? Remind me, and then... Uh, uh, well, it's my youthful good looks, but uh, that's not important right as now. Always. I know, uh, know MP's been talking about the potential that you might have, what, I was going to say new name, but an old name, back on the IMSA entry list next year, the potential for, perhaps, Cadillacs to come out and play. Yes, thank you for reminding me of this. The um, the 
Continental Disc comes out of uh, Conti Tyres. Uh, again, we talked about the ST uh, battle earlier on with the CJ Wilson Racing guys in the studio. The team that's about to win the championship with Andrew Davis and uh, Robin Liddell, very much GM backed uh, with uh, GM driver uh, money in that as well. And in fact, they're just right in front of us in the, uh, the pit lane on the left-hand side of the start-finish straight here. They've got their blue, white and bow tie uh, easy ups there. Uh, clearly, they would like to keep their GM connections, Graham. But as as it stands at the moment, uh, the only even uh, likelihood of a GT3, because they want to go back into the big time and go into GT Daytona, is the Cadillac. Now, I had a word with Johnny, uh, Johnny O'Connell at lunchtime about this, um, and he seems fairly certain, but I don't know this to be true or false, that the Cadillac GT3 has been FIA homologated. Do you know if that's true? I don't know it's true. It's actually a question I asked Ed earlier, and, and I cannot find it on the list um, for the FAA. But either way, this is IMSA, and some of those bets are a little bit off, let's face it. But uh, certainly conversation with uh, sources close to the Stevenson team at uh, Cota indicated that, of course, they'd love to stay with GM, but uh, that, yes. that might not be possible. Either way, I think we're going to see Stevenson in GTD with or without General Motors. Pretty, pretty apt, by the way, that we're talking about this where you are right now, because the last time we had a Cadillac in uh, IMSA competition in the American Le Mans series was 2002, where you are today, John. And uh, not only that, it, it uh, finished third and fourth at Petit Le Mans in 2002, the, uh, the LMP02. And the drivers? It was Angelelli and Leto in the third place car, and I think it was Eric Bernard and Emmanuel Collard in the other one. Well done. Oh, Shea's been swatting that one up as well. Um, <laughs> of course, it doesn't matter, of course, whether it is FIA approved or not, homologated or not, because IMSA could just homologate yeah. it if yeah. they wanted to. It's yes. a question of whether GM actually want to race it here. That's not the same question that comes up when we talk about Corvette in GT3. I had a very long and involved conversation yesterday, funny enough, um, at one of our fan events. Uh, which was great fun down at the Jim Ellis Audi of Atlanta uh, showroom at North Atlanta. Brilliant uh, evening with Dion von Moltke, uh, a silver driver. Who? Dion von Moltke, <laughs> uh, a silver driver who is worth looking at for any teams in Europe, by the way. And Christopher Haaser, who is just a class act. Is, is Dion um, literally uh, silver? Yes, he yes. is literally silver. Oh, yeah, wow. he was born Sorry. that way. Yeah, It was a defect. Uh, and we were talking about uh, GT3 homologation. And we had a, an interesting revelation, did we not, a couple of races ago from Doug Feehan that said that Pratt and Miller and Chevy Racing and Corvette Racing would look at GT3 um, if somebody asked them to. Of course, they've missed the boat on that because there is a Chevrolet Corvette that is FIA homologated. And there can be, Graham, only one of those. There can only be one FI homologation. That car will be unveiled this week. And I gather, John, we have an offer for the Callaway guys to come on the show next week, if there's uh, any possibility of that. They'd love to talk to you about the new car. Going to be unveiled this weekend at Hockenheim at the right. Adec Masters uh, uh, finale. And uh, I think we possibly get something in the can while we're on the, on the air on the way to Fuji. But uh, And what little we've seen of the car, that looks an absolute beast. But the agreement was at point of delivery of that project, and this happened uh, at Daytona with a meeting with GM higher-ups in Callaway, is that that car would not be marketed in the United States. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's that's very different from whether it's homologated, uh, and it, it's also. But what it does mean is that, that there can't be another version of it that can be FIA GT3 homologated. Eric Rood says the GT3 BOP from O115 includes the Cadillac, um, and uh, the uh, and there is a Google FIA GT3 homologation link from 2015 as well. So Excellent. it would appear. So it would yep. appear that it is in fact. I mean, like I said, it doesn't doesn't matter. The, the Corvette things are much more uh, interesting. Uh, an interesting it's, it's thing. Oddly enough, John, it's the second time we've had this with GM products because you may or may not recall. Yes, it is slightly farcical position we had with GT3 Camaros with at least three yes. and rival organisations bidding to get to the point where homologation was accepted. That was it eventually came from the Serini uh, uh, arm of Writer Engineering, which is the, the car that's marketed now as the de facto GT3 Corvette, mm. uh, Camaro rather. But yeah, yeah, absolutely right, there can be only one. It's a bit like Highlander. Uh, a very interesting development here on the pit lane in the uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo. Uh, a slight uh, uh, incomer to the uh, the oh, field here yeah. is uh, what looks to me to be a Chevrolet Impala. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely running some different specifications than the <laughs> Lambos out there. It's it's going to have to go see race control. And, and earlier on in the main pit lane, when the lights cars were out, I did notice one of those little Suzuki pickup trucks was in the pit lane as well, which I thought would be an interesting thing to have a single manufacturer uh, championship uh, with. Graham, I'm going to let you go. Thank you very much indeed. Um, sorry you can't be with us at the weekend, but uh, we'll speak to you next week, I'm sure. Great stuff. See you next week, guys. Cheers, mate. Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com. Uh, just over 10 minutes left. We have got a pointless press release uh, of the week. We'll get, we'll get Nick Damon back up uh, as quickly as possible to do a little bit of, of two-wheeled news. Uh, and, uh, and while we do that, can we just mention NASCAR really quick? Yes. It was another round of the chase this weekend. Kevin Harvick had to win. He ran out of fuel with three laps to go. Uh, Matt Kenseth won his fifth race of the year. But more importantly, uh, Tony Stewart announced that 2016 will be his last. In NASCAR? In NASCAR, yes. So he's obviously going to Haas F1. That's, you know, clear that going to happen. Don't give me that face. That's what all the speculation is. No, really. Um, but no, it's just, it's sad because, you know, losing uh, Jeff Gordon to NASCAR this year, massive fan favorite, and then next year, Tony Stewart as well. So it begs the question, Changing when's the Jimmy, card. when's yeah. Junior, and we don't even want to think about that. Mm, that's very interesting. Uh, Nick Damon rejoins us. Uh, welcome back, Nick. Hello. I always, the, 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 the slight pause before we hear your answer always scares me <laughs> gently. Uh, just fascinating stuff tonight from particularly from our guests and thank you to Johnny Morlam and to Chad McCumbie and Stephen McAleer and the Declan Brennan uh, for joining us here in the booth uh, a, a bit of two world news I saw naught I saw absolutely nothing whatsoever really? of of the Grand Prix no I, uh, of the MotoGP at the week I, I was otherwise engaged doing voiceovers and getting ready to do stuff for motors that then didn't happen but anyway it's a long story so I haven't even seen a replay so you will literally have to tell me where were they? What happened? Did Valentino Rossi get back on the podium again? And Lucia, quite a lot. Oh. No, Aragon, sorry, oh. Andrew, Aragon, quite oh, a lot, and yes. Uh, um, what basically and... happened was that um, the whole weekend, uh, Lorenzo and Marquez were in a different class, and Rossi was way off the pace. Um, and the question was just going to be who was going to win and how far behind and how many people were going to get in between Lorenzo and Rossi in the race. The only chance that Rossi had was it might be wet, and it wasn't. And 
at the start. Uh, Lorenzo Marquez disappeared into the distance, and after about six laps, Marquez fell off again. Oh, did he? He fell off Dang. again, and he was and he did a real fantastic basil faulty smack on the bike. And if he oh, had a branch, he? he'd have turned around and whacked the bike with it. So, <laughs> um, he was very upset about the whole thing. Uh, and then Lorenzo literally just disappeared, just disappeared off gone so he's won uh, and then there was the, uh, the remarkable sight of Danny Pedrosa actually remembering how to ride a MotoGP bike again oh. and uh, and also Rossi being much more competitive Rossi and um, uh, Pedrosa were tied together from about lap 4 of the 26 or 7 lap race and about 5 laps in it, Rossi thought right, I'm going to go past now and there was about 4 laps of them passing and repassing and passing and repassing and uh, Rossi couldn't make it stick and after about 7 or 8 changes Pedrosa got ahead of him by about 3 lengths so the net effect was he was third. Um, the winner, of course, was uh, Lorenzo. So Lorenzo gained back all the points he'd lost last time. And with uh, four races to go, he's 14 points behind. So uh, effectively, uh, it's all back on. Uh, and the big thing appears because Lorenzo's really got some great dry, dry pace. And, and it looks like Rossi, to, to be able to hold off the charge, is going to need a couple of wet races on Lorenzo to make another mistake. But he's had a bit of a helping hand today literally because ah, uh -huh. mark marquez has fallen, has fallen off his push bike and broken his hand he has <gasps> not he has fallen off his push bike and broken his hand and he's in hospital that i think today sucks. and in 48 hours begin functional rehabilitation obviously he'll ride but it obviously the, the more the, what the rossi needs is the race is where lorenzo's going well he needs not to have marquez in between them um, so he needs to find out, yeah, but it's uh, he has a problem in that if it stays dry for the races and Lorenzo's looking a bit strong, but obviously there's many a slip in motor GP and his, his leader 14 points is obviously is, is uh, not quite three first three seconds with a five point difference, but uh, yes, so Marcus is having is really decided to round off his uh, uh Anas Herubulus and fall off everything uh, before he comes back and I'm sort of sorts, sorts it all out for next year with the help of Honda. Uh, who might finally get something right this year in some particular form of racing, apart from Gordon Shedden, of course. Uh, right Turn Lover has done the arithmetic and says if Rossi beats Lorenzo once in the remaining uh, four races, it will be down to the Honda riders as to who will yes. be champion. Absolutely right. Mm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's down to the weather, and, and we are going to places where, you know, you're going to Twimby Montegi, that's not famed for being dry. They're going to Phillip Island, which it will either be scorching or damp. And they're going to Valencia at the end of the season, which is always overcast. It's just whether you get any precipitation at the same time. Mm. Uh, I'll point this press release of the week uh, this week. Um, I don't even want to start with this one. Is it a good one? <laughs> Trombone Shorty. Sorry? That... Okay, yeah. Right. Why are you insulting um, people? <laughs> Martin Short still owes me a set of Clearwater lights. Uh, Trombone Shorty, Public Enemy. All right, okay. Uh, They're bands, aren't they? Airtac, mm -hmm. Mayor Hawthorne, Ellie King. Right? Oh. There's all, these all are in this press release. Any ideas? Right. I know well, Trombone Shorty, a... I don't know any of the others. Well, but he must have Public Enemy. No. Mm. Uh, Keep in mind, I'm a social recluse, Nick. <laughs> the Circuit of the now, Americas so. is excited to announce, I'm pleased I was talking over that, decided to announce the uh, return of the fourth annual Quarter Fan Fest 
uh, to Austin on Thursday the 22nd of October through Saturday the October the 24th. FanFest, in case you didn't know by the way, is a free celebration of motor... Oh, that was my bit. Is a free celebration of motorsports and music held in the heart of downtown Austin during the annual Formula One United States Grand Prix weekend. Right. Public Enemy leads the, leads the all-star cast for this year's Quarter Fan Fest. Confirmed to perform are DJ producer and label head A-Track, Neo soul singer Mia Hawthorne, singer-songwriter so Ellie King with her new hit single X's and O's. Oh, well, funk my favourite, those. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Straight on you. Uh, generic MP3 device. A jazz funk band Trombone Shorty and Orleans <laughs> Avenue, Latin rockers Oz Martley and more. With over 235 guests from across the globe partaking in last year's partaking in last year's F1 race weekend, Circuit of the Americas looks to take the fan fest to the next level in 2015 by spreading the three-day party across downtown Austin and so it goes on. So basically, they've got a few bands playing in Austin when Austin always has a few bands playing. It's not really news, But you count the crowd then. I was just thinking, do you think there really are 235 bands? Or do you think it's a case of Austin County, there's actually only seven? Well, there's a fabulous one here called the Vulcan Gas Company, um, (laughs) along (laughs) with legendary (laughs) Continental Club with Austin Rocks, Banger's Sausage House. I've got no idea. Vulcan Gas Company... Little known fact, were formed at the Vulcan Gas Company. I think actually those are venues. I think the Vulcan Gas Company might be, a, be a venue, a not a band. band. <laughs> it's a great name for a band. I'm sorry, but I'm sure that. John. But hang on, doesn't the, doesn't the Vulcan Gas Company keep Spock warm at night? Yeah, almost. Oh. Uh, very good. What What happened to Elton John? I thought he was headlining everything. That's what they've been pushing for months. Oh, he's just no, the one he's, at the track. He's, he's just chatting to better. Then he's you can go and see. You, you can go and see uh, Public Enemy downtown. In it. Fantastic. Uh, It'll take a mi- nation of millions to hold them back. A <laughs> uh, couple of final words from the audience, from the listener tonight. Couldn't uh, agree more on your um, uh, F1 calendar clashes. FRA directive not having uh, uh, Le Mans on a GP weekend is out of the window Sorry. all of a sudden. Uh, does one have to... Uh, Proved to be uh, at quarter to be allowed at the fest. Fairly exclusive party. Uh, mm-hmm. After you, after midweek motorsport, can you leave the microphone on next to the track? Says Jesse. <laughs> it's all live this weekend, of course, on IMSA Radio. Check the front page of RadioLamont.com or Inter.com in, uh, for details. Uh, Cedric Sprarazzoli. Sprarazzoli is uh, second. Not real, not it's not name it is. It is Sprarazzoli. Uh, is uh, in second in the Huracan Proam at the moment. And he's on the podium a lot, so you get to call his name out for the trophies with him standing right there going, don't mess it up. It's oh, worth man. 11 billion points in Scrabble as well. Has uh, has everybody please went, gone on to the FIAWEC uh, Facebook or the um, YouTube account and seen Louise Beckett getting drivers to pronounce names of other drivers in the series. Razzle Dazzle. It is, yes, Ryle TL, Razzle Dazzle. It's just, his own fault. Just brilliant. It is one of the best pieces of, uh, of, of video to come out of any series ever. Louise was on top form that day. Uh, Nick, thank you very much indeed, and uh, have a lovely weekend. I, I, I fully intend to. How's the TR4 going? She's fabulous. There are bits arriving in the post. Oh, oh stop, stop. You said she's fabulous. She is. Does she have a name? Not yet. 
Oh, it's obviously dear. a she. All cars are she's. So no. sports cars oh, no, are. Absolutely not. No. She's a venerable well, old lady. She's 50. And, and it, I, I always believe that if you give a name, you have to give them a full name and a title. Possibly a job. <laughs> Oh. Uh, and then pay their national insurance yeah, and like give them dog, holidays. Like if you have a dog, it has to have a full name. Maybe even a, like a, if, you, if you have a dog, it should be called like Brian Wainwright, MD. Yes. Or uh, like <laughs> it should be. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> it has to have a job and a title. So give the car a full name and a title. Oh, I will dear. do. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Dearman uh, with us. Uh, thank you to Declan Brennan. Looking forward to the week. Are you excited? About the weekend, no. are you worried? Are you scared? I, I, I am couldn't be, uh, despite this calm exterior. <laughs> I am doing something with bricks at the moment. Are you? About, yes, mm. or shifting planks. bricks. Are you? Yes, <laughs> I'm moving bricks around. <laughs> um, good luck at the Thank weekend. You very much. Pass on our best to the team. Uh, clearly, um, midweek motorsport collective fan favourites. Shea uh, Adam will be on Mazda MX-5 duty, among other things. Uh, this Come on, Patrick weekend. Gallagher, Pat Damon. For the win. Really? Yeah, well, let's hope so. Okay. I do love a bit of Pat Damon, so... Uh... Our responsible adult was Eve Hewitt, and uh, up in London, Johnny Palmer was pushing the buttons. That was uh, Midweek Motorsports Series 10, episode... Uh, how many? It was 38, I think we decided it was. And there's no time to explain, because the llama is off to a Porsche event... In down, oh, well, just north of Atlanta at a Jim Ellis dealership. And if you get there quickly, you might be able to see us. That's all. Bye bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.